Yeah, you should take a look around after we record. It's very cool. The, the other bar area, the little lounge with the um, the bust of the the taxidermy the, and the taxidermy deer. <laughs> oh yeah, I uh, I did a, a charity event here once, and we had a we flew in a musician to play a show, and we basically made that the green room. And I walked him up. It's behind that wall. And yeah. I walked him up there. And he, he just looks around. And he's like, "Bro, where are you putting me?" <laughs> like, there's a random snooker no, table. Talk my there. agent about right. this shit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but we brought the. It booze. looks like another room in a murder mystery. It for oh. sure does. Yeah, something out of Clue. You could do murder mysteries here really easily. Oh my god. We just need some long curtains. Yep. Yeah. They can sweep back and forth. I should. I'll. I'll I should tell them that. Ooh. That's a great idea. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, but I if you do a murder mystery, this place is like, is this a game or are we? Do, is this for <laughs> are we real? Actually getting murdered. Like, like, the, the whole point of this game is right. to see if this is for real. This blood smells too real. <laughs> what? It's like a super ironic horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, one they're actually like, oh murdered. look, she's dying. <laughs> Guys, I think we need to help her. <laughs> I, th- I think she's actually dead. Yeah. If this is acting and she deserves an Oscar, this is yeah. a- yes, oh, yes. This is very real. That's a lot of blood. <laughs> Uh, well, you're already hearing three voices, so I suppose we should be do the polite thing and introduce introduce all of ourselves. Uh, my name is Ben Quam. I am one half of the podcast duo uh, right here at Libations for Everyone. Uh, my partner, introduce yourself. Uh, hello, Ben, ben Quam. My name is Charles Awad. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Oh, it is. True story. Crazy. Uh, and we are super honored to have our guest on today who wears so many hats right now. There's so many thing, cool things going on. I am so honored that you took the time to, to hang out with us. But would you please introduce your lovely voice to, uh, to our listeners out there? Yeah, you guys caught me in a good time. I just got over a big horse voice for the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, Yia Vang. Um, so uh, I own uh, Union Bun Kitchen, uh, V9, uh, which is our first brick and mortar. And then we have a bunch of little projects going on in between all those. So, yeah. You, you also have a podcast that's incredible. Two podcasts. Oh, Two, yeah. yeah. So it, I, we didn't officially announce this, but the white on rice one we're done with. Okay. Because you know, okay. it's, it, you know, Rance course. It's, you know. Got it. But the, but the, the new one is called Munglish. Yeah. That's what we're doing with um, uh, Matt Grundum is our producer. Oh, very cool. So he, I mean, he also produces uh, Tim Niver's. Uh, yeah. Niver, Niver, Yeah. Yeah. So, so. Yeah, so he, he's a little production company that does that, and man, it's so incredible having a producer. I'm so jealous yeah. right like, now. <laughs> like, we need, we need this. <laughs> it, it is so incredible because, like, you know, I mean, you guys get it. Like, you guys think of ideas, you're texting each other, like, dude, this is so good. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so incredible to have a production goes, that's kind of dumb. Yes. And you're like, yeah, it is. Never mind. We're not going to do it anymore, you know? <laughs> we, we do kind of, we, we strike an interesting balance because I had a, a, a background in music production, so I kind of took to this a little bit. And Charles is incredible at pointing out when I'm being a fucking idiot. Yeah. So he will <laughs> remind, like, Charles remembers all of the questions. I literally don't remember what we talked about in the last mm-hmm. episode. So he'll be like, dude, you literally just asked that. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, whatever. And I just yeah. tumbleweed <laughs> on to the next thought. Yeah. No, Matt's incredible. And he has, like... You know, he's got, he's so good. He makes, like, even, like, he, he writes out questions for us. And, and then my, uh, my partner, my co you know, is Gia Vang, who, Care 11, you yeah. know, morning anchor. And I feel so intimidated being there. there. Like, can you imagine? Like, no. like, we get the script, the little kind of intro, and I'm like, hi, I'm yeah, I cook food on fire. And she's like, hello, everyone. This is Gia Vang. And I'm like, fuck. Super polished. Yeah, I know. Like, super polished. And she literally got, like, the little, like, script, you know, thing, like, 20 seconds before. She's like, and I'm like, 
ta ta he i mean the <laughs> good 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 more you know i uh, i remember that year what i i was the in arena announcer for the minnesota timberwolves and i was working with a, a former radio host named yeah. uh uh be right and it really blew me away because we would get these like 56 page scripts that we had mm -hmm. to memorize yeah, yeah. and he would like look at it once and they'd be like all right you ready and we'd start going through it. And I'm like, no, man. Like, I didn't get any training for this. I'm trying to figure this out. You're like, you're like, bro, I'm still on the first paragraph. Like, how are you done? And he was, he was so good that in that time, so, you know, games at 7.30, tip-offs at 7.30, yeah. right? We get there at 5. He was so good that he would memorize the last word of what I was saying. And then he would just hit right afterwards. But because I'm not a professional and I'm relatively amateur at that, every now and then I would change around my words because I was just trying to like kind of come from the heart yeah. and talk about something. And he would get so mad. He's like, dude, you didn't end with Kevin Love had 16 rebounds. I'm like, 16 rebounds by Kevin Love. He's like, yeah, but I was waiting for that. And I'm like, holy shit, that's, you're just on a different level than I am. Yeah. It's wild to know, know that there are people that can do that. I, yeah. I, there's no way. Yeah. That's I need cue, if I could have like SNL cue cards, that would be great. Oh just yeah, somebody holding up giant fonts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, I know. I I, just, I feel so like out of my league, but she's so good, and it, it it's a really I'm really excited for this. I mean, this one is like this that that passion project, the one you know, where White and Rice is more like, hey, let's just get to know people. It's like during the pandemic, we're like, we just want to know all the fun people stuff that all the cool people are doing around yeah. here. Talk about food with them, but this one is like we. I mean, Matt's got it honed down. He's trimmed the fat That's down, awesome. and he's like, okay, this is where we want to hit. And it's so cool because Matt's a white dude, so G and I are Hmong, and, and we have, like, when you're in the culture, you just know stuff. There are a lot of subtext that you just know, and you yeah. get it. So G and I was talking about something, and we're like, oh, yeah, we get it. But Matt, who's a white guy who's not part of the culture, he then goes, well, explain that to me. Sure. Or, or break that down a little more. And we're yeah. like, well, I mean, just because it's the way it's been done. And he's like, well, you know, he would help us. And we're like, oh, crap. Like, we about really like have to break that down, you yeah. know? And so that's what, I think that's the the dynamic of him being a producer. And, you know, like, he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't really talk, doesn't do anything, but the background, like, he's he does everything, and so he's incredible. That's, that's I mean, that's how that's how great albums get made, is yep. with a producer who's figuring out yes and no, and let's yep. hone this and what yeah. Yeah. I love that you have that. And like I said, I'm very jealous. <laughs> um, but I, I also want to go back to... Um, I mean, we're, we're at a point right now, I, I just saw that article published by uh, Stephanie March that we're talking, yeah, yeah. Yes. you know, about the, the non-pop-up yeah. residency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can, you, can you tell people about yeah. that a little bit? So in the last two years, we've been just struggling. So, so literally, we did like a Kickstarter in uh, February 2021. And right when we finished that Kickstarter, 100000 we raised, we're like, okay, let's, let's rock this out, right? We had some really great investors that were on board. We had everything. And then... You know, two weeks into March 2021, everything shut down, right? And then the moment it shut down, we're like, oh, crap. Like, Union Monkey Joe at that point was this residency trailer at Sociable. Yeah. So we're like, oh, frick, we got to do something. So it's like, how do we sustain this? Because it's like, because Union Monkey Joe was our, was our heartbeat. So it's like, we got to keep the heartbeat going if we want, you know, the brick and mortar to ever happen. So we just went to triage mode, you know, like every For restaurant. Sure. Mm -hmm. It was just like, okay, everyone get all the bandits you can find yeah. and just stop the bleeding. I don't care if it's dirty bandages or whatever. Like, we just need to stop the bleeding. Yeah. So that's how we went to kind of triage mode. And we were just, then it became COVID. Like, we just rode the COVID train. Like, we weren't in control. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. we, 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 we look, look at all the restaurants. You knew we weren't in control. It was, 
And then, and then you got, I'm not, whatever, like I'm not knocking on anybody, but then you had all the politicians getting involved and you had all the lawmakers. And then again, as operators, we just were like, okay, like these are the rules. We just have to go abide by them. Yeah. And then you, and suddenly you have the public had their own thoughts. This, this, <laughs> this side and this side, they yeah. each had their own thoughts, yeah. you know, and then they're all looking at you like, this is your fault or you didn't do it this way. And I'm like, bro, I'm just trying to, like, so this is live. the rule in Minneapolis. Yep. We're just following it because we can be shut down. And, yep. we're, and, and so that whole wave, once that starts settling, we're like, hey, let's go back and let's just try and say, how do we start rebuilding? And then that's what, and then we found out that um, uh, financial establishments weren't as, Giving, sure, you know what I'm saying, as yep. they said they would be. <laughs> yep. uh, so then it became a dance. It became a dance of, hey, yeah, we're gonna need you to personal guarantee stuff. I'm like, okay, let's let's do it. And then they're like, yeah, your personal guarantee doesn't mean anything because you're really not worth much. Like the most depressing day was when I sat with my lawyer, oh, and then you had to do your personal finances, right? So you take yeah. everything you own to. You literally had to make a number of how much you're worth. Right. Like if I was to die today, and they your liquidated worth, everything yeah. you have, how much What's you're worth. There? It was so low that to the point where it was like it was a very low first year salary right out of college. If you're a college student, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, even then, I wouldn't offer that salary. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's yeah. how low it was. Yeah. And they're like, dude, man, I don't think they're going to need, they're going to be able to do that. And so then it became this game of finding investors, finding people to come help with the personal yeah. guarantees. But then I know that for me, this is, this is it for me. Like, this is like ride or die. This is my life. So it's like, so it's easy for me. Like, yeah, I'll personal guarantee it. Put it on me. You know, like, if, if everything fails, like, I'll go bankrupt, whatever. Because this Fair is enough. it for me. For me to ask some of my partners to do that, I couldn't. And I'm like, look, I'm not, I love you guys, personal guarantee or no personal guarantee. I, no, I get it both ways. But for me, I have to do this. Yeah. So it became this long dance of, you know, and we, and right now we're on our final, final round with SBA and stuff like that. Okay. But I, um, I, 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 I had this moment where, where I was like, I was going to, I'm like, I'm done. I'm giving up. You know, I'm like, this is so dumb. Um, and we've always talked about how Vinay, uh, or I have always talked about how Vinay is his love letter to my mom and dad. Yeah. It is this, um, and when the whole process started two years ago, I actually wrote them a letter, never showed them. I wrote them a letter and then I took that letter and I broke it down. I'm like, wow, there's three themes that resonate in this letter. I showed it to our architect. I showed it to our designer and I said, this is I want you guys to, when you guys build Venus, I want you to think about these, these, you know, uh, this letter and, uh, the architect Christian Dean did an incredible job. Sure. You know, uh, our designer, you know, Rose did an incredible job and I, and I still go back to that. I'm like, this is, this, this is this love letter to mom and dad is this restaurant. And in the last couple of years, I've just, my mom and dad have been able to tell their story a little more to us. Sure. And I, and I, and I start putting these pieces together where I'm like, dude, they never gave up. Like, they never gave up, no matter how tough it was. And I'm not talking about like, oh, I don't know. Like, the recession is tough. We have to sell the, the lake house kind of problems. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, oh, we didn't, like, we have to sell our boat and downsize to a smaller boat. It wasn't, not that kind of stuff. Like, it was like, right. like, if this decision will cost someone's life. We have to make a decision, you know? Yeah. And so these are the kinds of things, you know, my dad talked about during the war, what happened in the refugee camp. And I just said, 
dude, I, I can't just sit here and be on the defense. We're like, man, you know, Banks kind of, you know, let's talk about him. I'm like, how, how do we I, – I was sick of playing defense. You know, because yeah. here's the question. Hey, when's V9 going to open? Hey, when's V9? But we're having these yeah. national publications. Hey, when's V9 going to open? I was just like, and then my running joke was, well, if you can figure it out, you can have it. Ha, ha, ha. Like <laughs> that became my running joke. Yeah. And I was like, it, it was, it was, I was hiding in the shame. And I remember, uh, I remember my dad a long, long time ago when I was in college and he, uh, I wasn't doing well. And he said to me, Hey, I, I want you to know I love you because you're my son. Nothing else. I'm like, what? And he's like, I was like 20 somewhere. He's like, he's like, I love you because you're my son. There's nothing you can do that you that will work your way out of my love, and there's nothing you can do that can make me love you more. How amazing. And the moment you realize that, yeah, that your father, you know, and when I say father, you know, somebody got mad at me once, like, oh, you're not your mom too. I'm like, yeah, okay, my, my mother, and my father, but my, my dad and I had this conversation while we were on a drive on a road trip, and he is, he's like, you can always come home. He's like, you'll fail in life, things will be tough, but you know, my dad has a weird way of putting things. He said, as long as your mother and I have breaths in our lungs, we will always be your home. That's such a beautiful and, thing. And I rest in that, and and, and instead of the shame of like, oh, like I'm, I'm looking at all these friends, their, their restaurants are blowing up, and they're doing great things, and yeah. you know, I even felt ashamed when uh, when we got nominated for the beard. You know, I really felt ashamed where I'm like, I don't deserve this. You know, this is a uh, um, at first like right away that negative side of me was like, well, this is kind of like a diversity nomination like I'll be very straight up like do you know what I'm saying where I'm like well they need more BIPOC people here so that's why it's yeah. probably it so I felt like I didn't deserve it. I felt like a failure and I, I I rest on what my dad said to me you know probably 15 years ago when he said no matter what happens in life like I will always love you because you're my son that's it the day you were born you got all my love and and uh and, and they're still like that. You know, they, they live out in Hugo. And just even yesterday, I went over to pick up some stuff from them. And, you know, they, we were just talking. And, and they're still, my, my dad, you know, he's still giving me, you know, fatherly advice. Like stuff that we know already. Yeah. But it's like when he's like, you know, he's almost 70. So he's at that age where he's like, I just feel like I need to say all these things. <laughs> I'm going to get it all out. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like stuff there where it's just like, you know, like be careful with your spending. Like, you know, da, 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 da. <laughs> things where it's like, I can say, like, yeah, dad, I got it. Or. I can be mature about it and just let him say it because he needs to know that he, like, right. I've said this. Yeah. I think we all also need to be told things a few times every uh, now oh, and then. Oh, absolutely. I, I need reminders constantly true. of yeah. things like that. Yeah, so I think that when all this hit, I was just like, we're not playing defense anymore. Let's play offense. Yep. So, you know, Jeff, who owns Steady Poor, is just baller. And what they have at Steady Poor was incredible. Uh, about a month, a month and a half ago, we did a dinner series with them. It went really well. Our... Um, you know, our special events coordinator, and I just call her our service director, Juana. She's a she's killer. She's got like eight years, nine years of uh, serving at um, um, Murray's, you know, so she oh, comes yeah. from that that yeah, background. Yeah. So she and she is she is like we joke about how we're work husband and work wives because, <laughs> you know, but she is killer and she's incredible. So she's like, we can do this. And so we went up to Jeff and Ari, you know, and steady point. I'm like, hey, what if we do a residency here? And I was very nice. clear about it with them. I said, look, we're doing this residency, but this isn't a pop-up. Yeah. You know? And this isn't like a, oh, this is like a preview of v Like, that's not what this is. This is v Because v has never been about a certain location or a certain place. v is this love letter. When you write a letter to somebody, does it matter what pen you use, what paper you use? No. The heart of it is there. So v exists because 
mom and dad exist. Yeah. You know, and so we're like, we're going to do it. And so, you know, the way that we have the menu down, you know, we really want to explain what Hmong food is and just do a deep dive into Hmong food. And so, yeah, so we opened up a bunch of dates and said, hey, all through the summer, we're going to, like, basically Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're going to have seatings. You know, that is it the same format as what Steady Pour ordinarily does, or is it Kind of, menu? yes. Okay. Yep, basically. Uh, you know, right now they're still working on some of their, um, you know, licensing stuff, you know, and so, but basically it's an all-inclusive, you know, you know, meal. And, like, I tell people, I said, you know, um, Hmong food... Well, I asked my mom once, I said, Mom, what, how, do, how do I describe Hmong food to people? And he, she said, the first thing she said was balance. Hmong food is about balance. There is no dish that's greater than the other. So people always ask me, what's your favorite Hmong dish? And I'm like, I don't have one. You can't talk about one without talking about the other. You can't, you, it, it has to come as one. And it's such a representation of our people. That's you know, amazing. Our, the Hmong people are made of 18 different clans. You, back, you, go, you, go, you go backwards to 7,000 years ago in the foothills of the Yellow River, which is what's known as Southern China right now, the Hmong people were one group. They didn't have different names. They were just one group. Because of war, because of the dissension, and all that stuff happened, they, um, they got these clan names, you know, and they, they were divided into groups, and they got these clan names because the Chinese at that time ruled over them. And the Chinese, want, it was population control. Mm-hmm. So that's what they did. And so that's where these 18 clans came. And then one of the very first documented emperor of, you know, of what is known now as China, he was, he, he was Hmong. And so all the 18 clans, they, they, they kind of bicker and fight of like who is the descendant of you know, the, 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 the yeah. true emperor. Oh, yeah. And so it's kind of Game of Thrones-ish. Yeah. Like, like the, I, I live in Game of Thrones, guys, but just like Asian version of Game of Thrones. <laughs> I love that. Because no joke. When you were a kid and you walked into a group of, like, you know, when you walk into a group, it's all, like, the elder men. They always go, son, what's your name? And you have to say your name, who your father is, and who his father is. Like, Game of Thrones style, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's what we would have to do. We had to memorize our father's name and our, you know, our father's father's name. And because of that, you would either be like, wow, you are from good lineage. Or you're from good heritage, you know? And, and I remember Dad said, during the war, when... The, the U.S. pulled out, and the Northern Communist Party came through, and the communist soldiers came through and, and, and genocide our people. He said, what happened with our 18 clans is we put aside our differences, and, says, and he said, we had to come together because we knew that if we didn't come together, there's no future for our people because the, the younger generation will never be able to, to exist on. And, I, and, 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 and that's so indicative of our food. You, you just don't eat the sticky rice and be like, this is delicious. Sticky rice is not good without, the, you know, like that, you know, that, that piece of pork that's fatty and, and it's rich and, and, and it's got all that, you know, like the, you know, it's got that, you know, fish sauce in there. It's got mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah, but then that just kind of bland without the pepper sauce that you're dipping it in. But then the pepper sauce sometimes gets really like, you know, um, you know it's very rebunctious and it's just like, it's like, it's just very spicy and it's really heat. But then that's when the sticky rice comes in and that sweetness of sticky rice me- mellows it out. So Hmong food cannot be defined by a single dish. It has to be taken as a whole. And the way that we set up our menu for, the, uh, for Vinai residency is that. So our menu is broken into like different sections. And we, I don't call it courses. These are elements that come out. If we were to eat this all at once, all of this would come out at once. But we want to showcase and highlight each element. Sure. You know, so, it's, so that's kind of the way of trying to change the way that 
people think about Hmong food. You know, because I say that Hmong food isn't a type of food. It's a philosophy of food. It's a way of thinking about food. Heard you say that before. So, yeah. So, we get to, we get to do that. You know, even, uh, I, I think, you know, you guys been to, you know, to the shop, you yeah. know. We keep it very simple. That's why we have the Zhongxia meal, which Zhongxia in Hmong means happy. And we can't technically use happy meal because another restaurant <laughs> is using that name. But they, Boo? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I might have just visited that restaurant before I came here. Yeah, but anyways, my point is, uh, the Zhongxia meal is, is uh, a meal that represents what's on the dinner table. You got your rice, you got your vegetable, you got your hot sauce, and then you got your protein and the interchangeable. You know, it's, like, it's meats and threes. Mm-hmm. If you think about Holland sure. down south, meats and threes, that's yeah. what it is. You know, and, and so we get, to, we get to do that. I mean, there's, a, there's an educational process, but we're really excited. I'm really, really excited about uh, the V9 residency. Jeff and Ari are incredible. You know, and it's, you know, I just text Jeff today and I'm like, hey, let me grab your whole team. Let's go to Hmong Village. Let's eat. And then I hope this inspires you to think about like how you're going to do some of these cocktails along with it. So we're going to totally like be like, hey, Jeff, I want you to like, let's think outside of the box. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. If like the thought process behind the cocktails are maybe going to be a little more specifically catered to the Vinay cuisine Mm -hmm. in a way that perhaps it wasn't the last time i don't know how deep that went yeah last time, last time was definitely there yeah um but last time we, we kind of had to put it together pretty quick yeah you know but now it's more like you know we have a, we're like thoughtful. three weeks out yeah so now cool. we can like think through it and we're just like hey i got an idea let's you know, let's rock this out Dope. um so yeah so we get to do that and we get to play with different flavors that people probably aren't used to but it's still familiar you. you know like um like i tell people um if you take like the the the, the spices that make pho if you take that and you make a simple syrup out of it it's Great with a bourbon. I could totally see that. You know, it's great sure. in the old 100%. fashion. If you think of old fashioned, you think of what you're doing, like you think star anise, allspice, cinnamon, cloves, like that's what goes into a pho, mm-hmm. ba- you know, pho right. base. Yep. You know, you got your lemongrass in there. You know, like if we turn that into a syrup, into a simple syrup type, and I want that you, all day long. I want yeah. that right now. <laughs> yeah, and, and then using that for like you know some kind of bourbon or whiskey drink, which mm. is there's smoky in this because you get that smoky from those bones that you're you know like like if you just think about that like yeah oh that makes sense it all you works and that's what I love about food right it's the universal language that we can all speak together absolutely we all gotta eat yeah well what do you say should we take a shot and dive into our topic yeah of speaking of speaking of bourbon yeah uh, you yeah. did you asked for some some brown today and so I brought uh, a bottle of Buffalo Trace and then I also bought a, a single barrel barrel pick of 1792 awesome man so that one's got a little bit more spice to it a little bit more heat to it so I thought well, let's start with some some brown sugar goodness with this Buffalo Trace all right so uh cheers well, cheers, cheers. Mm. Who's up first, me? Yep. It's a you. Let's do it. All right, yeah, topic number one. Number one. We're still talking about food. Big surprise. So though we may love cooking most everything from scratch, what's something you probably cook that is not from scratch? Oh, frozen pizza. <laughs> Dude, come on. Uh, every cook's best friend. And, and I will admit, I'm a bougier frozen pizza. So, you know, I, I don't know if it's bougier, but like lots of matzah. Oh, that's my yeah. go-to. Yeah. Lots of matzah. I grew up in college with Tombstone. Um, but, you know, it was like 350 at the front desk. You can order one. They have the little pizza maker, and then they call you when it's ready. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, but lots of matzah. 
or and then uh, if I go, I feel very very fancy. I go to California, or you know what I'm talking about? Um, California Pizza Kitchen. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do that, but it's like that's a little too rich for my blood. I wait for <laughs> I wait for the three for ten sales on those, yeah. but the lots of matza, and then I go halfway. I pull out and I'm like, you know what? Let's bouge this up a little bit. I'm gonna put some peppers on there, and, yeah. you know, sprinkle a little extra cheese. Doctor it. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That's the key. Like it's it's taking it that one one little step yeah. farther where you can just kind of make this yeah. a little bit more special for yourself. Yeah. Sure. I had a, a buddy tell me that lots of matzo, it was like, there's too many toppings and too much cheese. And I almost slapped him. I'm like, listen, there's different pizzas for different vibes. Mm. It's okay if you don't, but don't pizza ever, for every vibe. The name is lots of matzo. They know yeah. that there's a lot of cheese on there, right. but sometimes I want that. Oh, that's what that means? Well, that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> it's literally in the title. Just a guy named Chris Matza. He just <laughs> yeah, yeah. loves pizza a lot. Yeah. <laughs> It's Italian guy named Chris Matza. He's like, I like a lot of pizza. Italian. It sounds Italian. Yeah. yeah. Do the chef's kiss thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but man, like frozen pizza. Like, I think like sometimes people freak out because like, what, what? I'm like, you think I'm at home after a long 10, 12 hour shift? I'm like, well, what we're going to do is we're going to take some tweezers here and uh, we're going to do yeah. some lavender foam and... Where do, you keep, where do you yeah. keep your microgreens here? Yeah. I always joke, uh, you know. In his shirt pocket. Yes. Yeah, 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 right. I always joke about how, like, uh, at home or in the kitchen, uh, the best chef is Chef Mike, you know, the microwave. So we always, like, <laughs> yeah. chef, Jeff, uh, chef Mike, uh, the, the James Beard Award-winning chef, uh, Chef Mike. Uh, He's the best yeah. sous you'll ever oh, have. Oh, man. He's, like, the executive chef, you know. Always plugged in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Never, never no call, no show. Yeah. Never <laughs> sick. Man, he's not. He hasn't even gotten COVID, dude. Like that dude yeah. is incredible. <laughs> chef Mike, he's a machine. Yeah. What's yeah. the other one? Uh, the Salamander. What was the Chef Sally? Oh yeah. Yeah. Chef, chef Sally. Sally and Chef Mike. She, <laughs> does, Sally a, she does. does a, she does a lot. She did heavy lifting <laughs> in a couple of the restaurants I worked at when I was a teenager. Man, <laughs> oh, Chef oh, Sally's man. the unsung hero. <laughs> we there was this quote unquote like high end Italian restaurant we I used to work at in college. Oh, I feel bad just saying this. Oh my gosh, but the Asabuco. It comes already cooked and vacuum sealed. The asabuco. Mm, not so awesome, buco. Yeah. We would take it out, uh, you know, like, you know, we thaw it. And sometimes if you forget to thaw it, it's like, oh, no, run it underwater, right? And then you poke a couple holes, and then Chef Mike does the rest of the work. Oh, man. $32 oh, for the asabuco. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Uh, Mike works yeah. overtime at yeah. Applebee's. There's too. no way it doesn't just glorp out, too. Oh. Just, uh, but, yeah. then, but then you get people go, oh, my gosh, so tender. So, <laughs> so I'm like, tender. You don't even yeah. know what you're eating. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, please, my compliments to the chef. I will let Chef Mike know. Yeah, we will let Chef Mike know. <laughs> he's still, he's still uh, scrubbing the floors back there, too. Yeah. <laughs> Can I let him know? No, man, he's, he's no, working no, hard. No, he's not talking to anybody. He's, he's, yeah, yeah. he's spinning circles back there. You yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, chef Mike is a silent hero around here. Uh, <laughs> Help. He's yeah. hilarious. The other day I went back there and he had 80085 just typed in right there. <laughs> so he got me again, <laughs> Chef Mike. Oh, Chef Mike. <laughs> uh, that joke's for all my TI-85 friends yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, what do you think, pal? Yeah, I, I was going back and forth. I, I, think, I think I really love chefing up craft macaroni and cheese. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like I have, you can order a silo of their orange cheese powder mm -hmm. hit that i'll add in different cheeses i'll add in hot sauce if i'm really feeling bougie then i'll i'll make a buffalo sauce and i'll do like already pre-made chicken nuggets or tenders yeah toss those in buffalo chop them up throw that in there absolutely or if we have like 
Like we'll buy sausages from like Kramarchex or another yeah, butcher yeah, yeah, shop, yeah. and then f- for whatever reason, we always have like one leftover. Yeah, and that's not, you can't have one sausage for my wife and I. So it's like, well, we can chop it up, yeah. and then we can do like a like a brats and mac and cheese kind yeah. of thing going on. And I really like it's to the point now where like I get hyper specific about. Like, if we're going to have this, I have to make it. Like, I want to yeah. be the one. You got, like, little chives sprinkled out. <laughs> or you're sure. like, we're going to do chive batons. I mean, and, yeah. you think I haven't done, like, a panko breadcrumb across the, uh, across the top of that yeah. and throw that in front of yeah, the brother? Yeah. Like, I just, I love, there's there's something comforting. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time on my own as a kid, and that was one of the very few meals mm-hmm. that I could cook for myself. Mm-hmm. And there is, that is one of the few things that is still wonderfully nostalgic for me. I never got sick of it. There was never a phase where I couldn't eat it anymore. It just felt, it tasted like independence when I was a kid. And now mm-hmm. as an adult, it tastes like a link back to my childhood. Absolutely. And it still tastes the fucking same. Yeah. Nothing has changed. Yeah. So I really, I really dig that. And I love. And you go, you go the powder too in there, right? Yep. And everything. Okay, okay. Absolutely. Okay, okay. Yeah. And then, so I'll do the, the packet of powder and then I'll okay. do another scoop or two of the powder from the little silo. And then oh, I'll add in. Dang. And then I'll add in some. Um, Truffles? Some, like what? American you cheese. Say truffles? <laughs> Joking on the powder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I take some morels out yeah. and I have some truffles, white truffles. <laughs> I'm just picturing him doing the cinnamon challenge, but with that cheese. Yeah. Oh. No, 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 no. I just look like I, I look like Al Pacino at the end of Scarface, but it's yeah, just, just, an just orange. Just orange on your nose. Yeah. I look, my face looks like someone's fingers when they eat a bag of Cheetos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have also done crushed up Cheetos on top. It's delicious. Oh, yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. Mustache. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, like sometimes I'll do it can of tuna in there i don't know like i just oh, I, I very much love yeah, that. this guy's getting weird yeah is, i don't know about it's it's this. i don't I, it's very much like a midwestern tuna casserole vibe yeah. yeah yeah now it's a casserole but it, again it was what can i afford when i have i have sure. literally coins and two bills in my hands that has to last for the next yeah. week while i'm in college that was something that i could get for very cheap now you're like work. oh well what can i afford here's these 300 dollars bills and yeah. i have truffles yeah you're shaving truffles <laughs> you look at your wife truffles honey, just tell over. me when chin, chin, it's still chin, the box chin. though <laughs> yeah yeah honey <laughs> add a fourth scoop i'm yeah, gonna grab yeah, the truffles yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen sometimes you gotta ball out like that. Yeah, yeah sometimes you do uh charles what about you so i i'm gonna two-tier this and it's a it's two corny answers one corny answer is it the way that I was looking at this when I posed it, and you know, we if can, you don't say corn always, right now, I'm just gonna freak out. You use no, corn I will. Twice, okay? I will. Don't worry about it. But th- th- what I was thinking when I came up with this question is that, like, of course, Chef Yeah, like almost everything you prepare in your restaurants, you're making 100% from scratch, and even like a lot of the foods that Kwame and I prepare, we're yep. making fully from scratch. So where my mind went to when I was thinking about this was. Uh, there's a Colby pork tenderloin you can buy at a local grocery store called Lunds. Yeah, oh, yeah. fucking great. Well, yeah. It's always there. Yep. It's always, it's almost always buy one get one free. I have no fucking idea why. Then you <laughs> grab that, and just margin on that, you throw it right <laughs> on your grill. You know, and I don't buy pre-marinated stuff. I like to kind of do it myself, yeah. or I don't. I don't really marinate a lot. I season mostly. Yeah, yeah. But you pick those up and you just fucking yep. walk down the driveway and just throw it right on yeah. the grill. And you're ready to party, and it's really delicious. It's just like yeah. the sweet, salty, yep. you know, umami. Yep. And then you're ready to rock if you know how to cook a pork tenderloin. And I think I do pretty well at it. Yeah. And that's really all you need to Most do. Most people destroy it. I know. It, and that, like, that to me, like, that's another conversation. Breaks, the yeah, medium, that, like, yeah, medium, medium rare, baby. You don't got to go any further yeah, than that. Oh, Please don't get don't. me started. Don't but get people, me started. Yeah, get the, they, they, they it's sure going to be really 165 degrees. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you like sandpaper? Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Can I? They, I uh, they hide their key under after they're done because it looks like one of the rocks in their yard. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I have to. I have to give you credit right here. Uh, last week, uh, I ate at your spot at Gray's. Yeah, and that pork was like perfectly medium rare, medium. It was. Yeah. It was so good. And up. the person next to me was asking and what like would not stop obsessing that it had to be like steak. Yeah, like, we no, get no, a no. lot of that. Oh, okay. no. we, get, we get a lot of that. You know, like oh, yeah. it's like people like, are confounded by that. Yeah, some of them are like, oh, I ordered the pork, but I think you gave me steak, and I'm like, isn't gray? No. Oh, yeah. It's supposed to be gray. It was just yeah. like, I, I was like making noises while I was eating yeah, and the yeah. bartender was mm. giggling her ass off because she's like, you were really enjoying that. And I'm like, you have no idea how yeah. much I needed this. I got oh, stuck in meetings that went late, so I didn't get lunch until like yeah. two o'clock. And it was yeah. just housing. Like yeah. toss the silverware. Yeah, we're just going hands. It oh, was yeah, so good. That's the way to do it. Uh, the other way I was going to approach this was I used to always make my own corn tortillas. I did it for mm. many years. I have yeah. the little press and... The bag of masa. Yeah, you like move over, Gustavo. My... I'll show you how it's done. <laughs> no, that's it's actually no. You you. Yeah. That's the cheat code. Yeah. Actually, I. Why would I make my yeah. own corn tortillas Yo, when else. I can get Nick's the yeah. tortillas on almost every shelf that surrounds me in Northeast, if not visiting him four yep. blocks from my yep. home? Yeah. So it's almost like time is the most valuable resource that I have. I always say that. Yeah. Why would I waste my time making an inferior product when I can go buy I, Gustavo so stuff? Right. And it's and it's super affordable too. Yep. Like it's not like that's probably how much it would cost for me to make it. Oh, never mind yeah, the amount of time so good. that I yeah. spend. So that's the other one is like why would I bother? Sorry, Charles, I didn't mean to step on you there. Not at all. <laughs> Sorry, no. my bad. Yeah, no, that was perfect yeah. actually because yeah, you would. It, it wasn't that I started doing it because I thought I could do it better because yeah. that would be the bullshit response. Yeah. Responses. Oh shit, we can get these dope corn mm -hmm. tortillas. Anytime we want yeah. uh, on our, our local store shelves. And I hope if you're listening and you're in another marketplace that you have something like that, but I bet they're not as good. Yeah. For real. Dude, I, I tell people, because people are like, oh, do you guys make your own this in-house or this mm -hmm. in-house? So, like, one of the things we do is we use the MSG, uh, the MSG vanilla from Baby Zito, who are, you know, friends of ours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, do you, would you guys ever make your own ice cream? I'm like, no. Why? Right. Because it's like, for like one, you're you're supporting a small business, yep. right? Let's yep. just look at it from that point of yep. view. Secondly, this is a friend that we get to tag in, you know, with what we're doing and get to talk to people about. Yeah. And third, the quality is incredible. Like, why would I even want to be like? And I think that that's the problem with some restaurants where like I want to be the best. You can't. No. Nope. It's cool. If I want to do some really cool pastry stuff, I go to Mark Hugh. Mark's a friend. I'm like, bro, man, you're killing it. Right. You're like, why am I going to try to make some like, you know, tart when I can just order a bunch from yours? And like, I just tell people, this is Mark Hugh. Like, I don't hide it. We don't move the little <laughs> Mark Hugh sticker and then put like Union Kitchen on there. Like, we don't hide that, yep. you know? And that's what I, I, I love that. And I think that there's this mentality where it's like, oh, you have to do all, you guys have to do everything. Yeah, every it's like, thing, right? well, if I'm going to do like a 50% half-ass job or, you know, like Baby Zito kills it. Kills it. Just, I give them a call. I'm like, hey man, can we get like four buckets of those? Dude, awesome. Invoices, great. And that's how it's supposed to work, you it's know? It's so dangerous because they're kitty corner from my corporate office. <laughs> yes. And oh my God, it just, it calls to me like a yeah. siren in like the old sagas. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, I, I can, I just can have ice cream. Especially yeah. now that it's warm out. Like, I, yeah. You're like, like I can do a shake in yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Dude, We're did you know right. that their large shake is one pint of ice cream? <laughs> yes. It's so oh awesome. <laughs> Like, you can go in there because somebody's like, dude, it's like almost 10 bucks. Because it's one pint of ice cream, bro. handmade ice well, cream. Well, that's a good walk. You could walk off like one. I don't know how much yeah. you need. A, you got to run a marathon to get that bad boy off. Like one yeah. Yeah. I know. It's like people are at the fair and they're like, I just walked all that off, bro. You just ate <laughs> Not even no. 19,000 calories yeah. and you walked I, I can just miles. see Ben's like, I can walk it off or take a nap. There it is. Right. Let's do that. Let's go with yeah. that one. <laughs> just walk enough that you feel good about yourself. Yeah. 
<laughs> and eat and smash one of those burgers every day. Oh, I, I also want to give them dangerous. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I got to give them shouts out too, though, because they're they're also a part of Team MSG, yep. where I really feel yeah. like our generation is finally reintroducing Absolutely. this incredible ingredient. Hashtag MSG everything. Yeah, after being attacked, we talking about this a lot on the. I'm pod. like, oh, do you eat Doritos? Yeah, then you had That's it. What it is? Yeah. Oh yeah, dots pretzels. Yeah, yeah, I had it. Yeah, Midwesterners yeah. love them dots yeah. pretzels. They don't know that there's MSG. I made it. But guys, when I do it, I get like sweaty and itchy, and you know, I my mouth gets dry. Dude, the other day. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have Doritos too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. Like, no, that made me feel better actually. Yeah. The other day I posted on Facebook because I've been MSG obsessed. Yeah. Basically saying, if you're coming to my house and you think you're allergic to MSG, then like turn around because yeah. I'm putting MSG in everything yeah. this summer. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people remarked like, that's fake. That's not true. There's no such thing. And I was like, man, Mayo says that some people might have some sort of like a minor mm-hmm. effect from it. What I'm saying is not like, I'm not justifying that. What I'm saying is I'm using it. If you're uncomfortable, mm-hmm. don't eat it yeah. in my yard. It's like it, for, it, for whatever reason. Like anecdotally, it's in my family. My my brother, it's a migraine trigger. He has a lot of migraine triggers and mm-hmm. MSG is one of them. Yeah. And so he had to, hypersensitive to Yeah. And stuff. so he had to eliminate yeah. all kinds of amazing, delicious foods. Mm-hmm. And he was the one that really hipped me to how many things that we casually eat in America mm-hmm. have MSG in yeah. it. But like I, at the house the other night, we had some friends over and I made a, a MSG dirty martini and it was yep. fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, oh, how did you get the, what is it? What, what, what's, is it olive juice? What kind of olives did you use? I'm like, nope, it's MSG. Yeah. But it added this beautiful depth to it where it allowed the sweetness to shine through and yep. also that savory side. And it was absolutely amazing. Yeah. I'm just going to keep doing that. Yeah. You know, in, in our, in the Hmong culture, MSG is so sacred and it's so believed to have like health purpose, like, you know, like uh, health values to it. Oh, no wow. joke. As a kid growing up, we got stung by bees. My mom would get a little water and rub it over the sting and then put MSG on it. What? I don't know if it works or not, yeah. but I'm just saying, dude, in the Hmong culture, it is yeah. a, literally a part of our blood. Okay, so yeah. it's like, man, it is what it is. Right. You didn't die from the bee sting, so I I'm going to go ahead and, and yes. I guess that it worked. You know, if we're going through the scientific method, yeah, it works. There we go. You know? But I remember like, my mom had this jar of MSG, and it's like, oh, I got stung by bee. Mom, don't worry. She comes out, and she's like, what's this MSG on? And I'm like, I think it's better. You know, And I remember that as a kid. I'm like, I guess you just put this on food and stings and burns and yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But all I know is I'm here. So if you're listening to this in a pinch, (laughs) if you don't have a jar of MSG and a bee stings your kid, grab a Dorito. Grab a Dorito. A Dorito. Mash it right on there. (laughs) (laughs) If the Dorito's already not on his fingers, like like, just reach over and say, hey, buddy, I just need you to rub that. There you go. (laughs) Rub my wound. (laughs) There you go, buddy. Good job. Oh, oh God! I, I hope somebody out there messages us and say <laughs> that they did that. I, no, I would love Why that. did my child rub the reels all over his face? <laughs> First of all, your child is not supposed to be listening to this. Explicit. <laughs> Explicit. What kind of parent are you? <laughs> right. Well, well, cheers, cheers to Bourbon. Quam, you up? I am. Uh, all right. All three of us at this table uh, speak at least two languages, mm-hmm. and so. I was wondering, yeah, is there a word or a phrase that doesn't translate to English that you wish did? Is there like a, a concept or even just a single word, just something that... Like from Hmong to English? Correct. Because um, we, like, we have this wild language that mm-hmm. we speak here in America, but it's pieced together from so many different things. Yeah. And there's so many redundancies, and we have like 18 words for things that don't matter, and then for really important things, sometimes we have really poor ways of showing it. 
You know, like mm-hmm. my, my concept is always that like, I can say I love a cheeseburger, I love that guy's car, and I love my wife, and it's mm-hmm. the same word for everything. Not everyone does that. And learning another language when I was a kid really kind of blew my mind that a lot of other cultures, especially ones that are older, mm-hmm. have taken a lot more time to define things. And I love the more that I've gotten into speaking Norwegian, mm-hmm. I've loved finding all of those little things where they're, they're, there's not a direct translation, yeah. but here's the concept of it. Hmm. And if you want to think about it too, yeah, I can yeah. Ask, let me uh, think about this, Charles. Do you uh, you got one? I got a couple. Yeah. So in Arabic, there it's the language with the most words yeah. um, of any language. Twelve million words. Uh, there are words for really obscure things, emotions, feelings, um, various things. There are also turns of phrase that are uh, seemingly overly dramatic, like mm-hmm. really like wow. That is a word that you use uh, frequently for things. So I got I got two that I wanted to make a note to say. So one of them is tabarne. Uh, so tabarne usually like you hear like a grandma will say that to like her grandkid or something, or like you'd say it to like a friend or um, you know your kids or nephew or cousin. Um, what it means it it means in effect you can bury me. <laughs> it sounds oh, it wow. sounds dark, but what no. you're saying is like I love you so much I would die for you. Yeah. Mm. So when you really break it down, tabarne means like, and you you always say it like that, like really enthusiastically, like tabarne. Usually, like an old lady will be squeezing your cheek as she goes tabarne, because it means like, oh my god, I love you so much, like you can bury me, like it's I would do anything mm. for you. I love that concept. I think that's beautiful. Um, including I would that I would die for you. The other one is very similar because a lot of the. A lot of the phrases that have those like extreme meanings are romantic in nature or like um, affectionate in nature. The other one uh, that I want to mention is because I say it a lot. So it's tikramainik uh, or tikramainik, depending on if it's the former um, or latter is um, uh, respectively female or male. Um, basically, what that means is. Um, uh, as you wish, you know, like Princess Bride, think right. of it like as yeah. you wish. So I say it to Marnie a lot because it's like my way of princess briding it like mm-hmm. as you wish yeah. i usually just say tikram you know like tikram she's like can you get me a glass of wine from the fridge tikram mm-hmm. but like the literal meaning is very hard to translate so even if you google it it's really a, a complex situation for people to try to find the etymology of it and sure. exactly what it means but when you try and like break it down phonetically um the it's it's kind of like the best way you could try to translate it is like if you can see it i will make it yours oh okay you know mm-hmm. um einik is like um uh, your eye so it's tikram einik or einik okay so einik or einik is referring to your eye mm-hmm. so that's the best way to try to translate it is like if you can see it and you and you would like mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. i can make it yours mm-hmm. which sounds like really you know romantic and affectionate but, you know, it, you could say that for the smallest or the largest thing. Charles, I think I'm in love with you right now. Are you? Wow. Oh. Dang. Isn't that amazing? I know. <laughs> but isn't it? I was like, oh. <laughs> Everything you yeah. just said, I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I don't think about this stuff, yeah. but yeah. I'm glad that you asked because yeah. it makes me, like, really think of, like, the genius yeah. etymology and stuff. That yeah. might also be where you're coming from. Yeah. And yeah. You don't always think about this no, kind of stuff, we but just, I'm sure yeah, there are a lot of it. great... Uh, yeah. anecdotes yeah i mean i i just had this great like history lesson with uh lee uh, professor lee pao jong yeah I you saw know the, I and and if you book. listen to it he talks about our language how literally in the pando uh, which is the um you know like the, the the story cloth or the fabric cloth that you know is part of you know s- monk traditions sewing and 
how our language at one point, uh, legend has it that when um, the Hmong people were enslaved by the Chinese dynasty, they were forbidden to talk to each other. And so what they would do is on their clothing, we would sew these symbols that represented different words or different phrases. Mm. And we would also, rep- you would also represent what clan you're from or what dialect, you know, because Hmong dialect has two dialects, you know, there's the green or it's sometimes called the blue and then you have the white dialect, you know. And, and so our, to, to keep our language going, the, it, uh, the elders, uh, the elder women would, would sew these together just so that the next generation could still use it. So, so our language is, a, it's a very, it's a, I say it's a very primitive language only in the way of um, it doesn't, no, we don't have a lot of descriptor words, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. So for example, you know, when you guys were talking, Charles, especially when you were talking, uh, like the word for understand, like, hey, do you understand me? Or, hey, do, you, or, do we understand each other? Um, the, 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 it's, it's a phrase. It's called ngashia, uh, which means um, your, your heart is inside the other heart. If that's a little tra- translation oh of it, to understand something. So, you know, me and Ben are talking, and it's like, hey, do you understand me? It's like, is our heart in one accordance? Is our heart, is like my that's heart beautiful. is in your heart. Ngashia, like ngashia yeah. means in, shia means heart. Now, now we, we even we even talk about like in the word Shia. Shia can mean uh, your heart, as in your soul, or it could also mean your literal heart, your, as in your physical like your physical muscle. heart. Yeah. But when you say Shian Ju, Ju means organs, you right. So if you go like all your heart and soul, you know. So when when you're saying Ju, which is means organ, what you're really saying is all of you, like like you know. And for and then for example too. With technology and the change of things, we had to just use our words our, to create new, like, nouns. So, yep. for example, for plane. We don't have a word for plane. Like, oh, look at that airplane. Mm. The literal translation of the word we use for plane is uh, iron eagle with wings. That's oh, wow. the translation. Because when these planes would come over, they'd be like, they look like these big eagles, these mm-hmm. big birds, but they have iron wings. You know, and so that's the descriptor. Like th- th- so that's instead of there being a new word, they they, they like just they com- compound it. a few words yeah, together. So every right. time I hear that, I go, "Oh yeah, it's talking about plane." You know, so so right away I'm like, "Oh, plane in my head." You know, so it's like that's what happens when there's, there's a language that just doesn't like we don't have a word for computer. It's just da da computer. You know, uh, we don't have a word for Netflix. You know, it's just yeah. my mom knows how to say Netflix and YouTube. You know, <laughs> she just says that. We she doesn't speak English, but she knows how to say Netflix and YouTube. On the on the episode two years ago that we did for Valentine's Day when our wives came on, uh, we were talking about the various languages, yeah. and I mentioned that there's 12, 12 million words yeah. in Arabic, but there's no specific word that is literally sorry, mm. they, <laughs> which is a fun thing to say on the episode with your with the wives yeah. on the episode. But uh, they just say sorry. Yeah, that's how they say yeah. sorry. Sorry, they literally yeah, say yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we in in Norwegian um, the the like the, the parliament building mm-hmm. where all the politicians are is called Stortinget, mm-hmm. and uh, I always thought it was hilarious because it that translates to just the big thing. That's all it is. <laughs> the big thing. And the 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 history of it. It took me years to find this out. The history of it is that um, the Storting. Uh, was when all of the Vikings chieftains would get together if they yeah. were going to make a decision or if, uh, if when, when kings were introduced, when a king died and they had to figure out who was going to be the next, 
that was the biggest thing in everyone's life. So they called it the big thing. Mm. And as as the culture progressed from tribal Vikings to mm. what we have now in modern Norway, that was one of the links that they just stuck with. That's still yeah. what it's called when government convenes is is Stutting. So Stutting it is that's the that's where the big thing happens. And I love that it's it's just as simple as that and everybody just knows that. Mm. Uh but for for me there's there's two concepts that don't translate at all and I always fuck this up, so I had to look look it up yeah. again. But it's uh Dugnatsund which is the loosest translation is when people come together to work towards the good for a community. Mm. So that would be like when, you know, when everybody came to help with a harvest yeah. or if a storm destroyed everything, mm. that was the, the concept of why everybody had to get together because when this, community this is commonly used, uh, it's you hear like, said a lot. Well, yes and no. Uh, it, it's used more in like ethereal, bigger political discussions of we're trying to do this to make the country better. Yeah. Um, but its okay, roots, it. its roots are back when if something in the town fell apart or if the f- crops died, mm-hmm. there wasn't anywhere else you were going to get food from. Like people were going to starve to death. So everybody helped each other, and that still is woven into n- modern Norwegian culture now. Is you do try to do everything you can to help everybody. You know, it's a super high taxation rate, and the idea is that everybody should be able to have health care and go to school and do all that. Mm-hmm. I, I wish that we could even sniff an understanding of that in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other word uh, that I really love is ilchil, uh, which uh, directly translated means uh, like fire heart or fire soul. Mm. And it can be used good and bad. Uh, it can be used when bad is like when somebody starts getting like culty or mm-hmm. goes really far down a train where mm-hmm. that's what they're obsessed with mm-hmm. but it can also be used in a really positive way where you have something that drives you that nobody else may be able to understand mm. but you have this fire burning inside of you and you mm-hmm. have to do whatever it is that that fire is igni- mm-hmm. ignited for you have to figure out how to how to accomplish that mm. and i love i love that concept because again passionate just gets so overused and yeah. tons of different things sure that is a very a more specific version of that and will eventually be in some way tattooed on me because I just love I love that concept when I'm when I'm crazy about something when I have that fire there's nothing that can put that out and I, I like wish it. yeah yeah that's yeah. no, and it's salient to say that like we use the word passionate to describe basically every level of feeling yeah driven by something yep. when there's there should be more words for that. Do you yeah. like something a lot? Well, here's the one word we have for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I love that. Well, uh, shall we? Cheers. Number trace. Oh, yeah, okay. This is fun. So thanks to ardent creators like yourself, yeah, and Gustavo Romero and Sean mm-hmm. Sherman. Uh, we're making strides in culinary education and accessibility mm-hmm. uh, locally and I think regionally as well. And hopefully it, there are marketplaces beyond our mm-hmm. our region that are doing similar things. In the world of food and beverage, what diners or drinkers are still underrepresented uh, either culturally or dietarily in your mind? Um... I mean, I'm, I might sound a little biased on this, but I, I don't think a certain one, but I, I, I just the category of Asian food. Asia is a pretty big continent. There's a lot of different cultures <laughs> in Asia. Little, yeah. Yeah, and so it's always like, oh, you make Asian food. It's like, yeah, 
But the way we do food is not the way the Chinese do food. And the way, yeah. and then when you go into China, there's all these regional names, stuff in China. And, and what most people know as Chinese food here is Americanized Chinese Correct. food, which there's nothing wrong with that because it's, you had to adapt, you know? And it's like, okay, you know, I, I mean, you could say the same thing with Mexican food. Mm-hmm. Like you talk to Gustavo, like, you know, we're good buddies. We talk about it all the time. They think Mexican food. They're like, oh, like, so do you, like, where's the lettuce? Where's the cheese in your tacos? And it's like. Where's the black olives? Yeah. <laughs> get out. Out. You know. But it's, I, I, I wouldn't say that there's a, a certain, you know, group that I would say that's unrepresented. But I, I think that just knowing the specifics, mm. you know, um, a, a great example is this. When Crazy Rich Asian, the movie came out, I had a buddy who came up, great intentions. He's like, dude, isn't it awesome that. You know, it's all Asian cast, Asian, you know, represented in this movie. Like, aren't you just proud of that? And I, I get what he was saying, which yeah. I totally get it. White dude, I get what he's saying. But I'm like, bro, you have to understand those Asians that are represented there are from Singapore. They're city Asian. We're jungle Asians, like mm. completely different. Like we don't live that life. Sure. You know, and so it's like. I think that just to say, hey, I think it was great. Like, again, don't get me wrong. I think that movie was a great step, whatever, you know, and that's great. I love that. But it's like what we really need to know is what the specifics are. So that's why I really push hard for like, man, Filipino food. Do we know Filipino food? Or do we just say, oh, man, I love chicken adobe, you know, adobe, you know, and it's like, yeah, do you know what that is? Do you know that that's from like, you know, that like Spanish, you know, conquistadors who came and- Or, you know, or if you talk about foods from Singapore, like, what is the history between Singapore and China? You know, like, most of the people in Singapore uh, are of Chinese descent, but they don't mm. consider themselves Chinese. You know, so it's yeah, like, I, why not? Yeah. Taiwanese. You know, like, what? Sure. They're kind of in a weird position with China. Yeah. You're just even thinking of Hong Kong. Like, why is Hong Kong in China, which is in China? Like, what's going on there? All these things, I think that we really need to dig into it, you know, and I think that food is that, you know, beautiful vessel. So, I mean, there's no one specific, you know, like food that I think that's underrepresented, but I think that just to kind of start, that's where we start and yep. then people get excited about yeah, it, you know, because Korean food is more than Korean barbecue, right? hands down. Yep. Yeah. Majority of Korean food is soup base. You know, people don't realize that. And Japanese food is more than sushi and ramen. Fuck yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, like, come on, you know? Kimchi is more than just the red cabbage. It, it literally is, is all pickled things that they make. But yes. everyone thinks kimchi is only that one. Yeah. Or like curry and Indian food. Yep. Yeah. They don't, yeah. Curry, oh, like, just give me the curry. Do you understand what you've just like said? The word, the word curry means seasoning. So, yeah, exactly. It means like yeah. spice and season. Right. Like, yeah. wh- what? You know? I, I, I had a, a friend who, or I have a friend who is very close to me who one day when we were just talking about where we wanted to go eat, uh, he literally just said, well, I don't dig Indian food. And I was like, could you even tell me? Like, I don't even know what <laughs> right. that means. Yeah. Like, what what region are you talking about? Can you tell me what dish it wow. is that you don't like? And maybe we can work backwards from there. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know if you've noticed, again, wildly, like, that place, it, the country of India is obviously, like, the border's, are an entirely different historical yep. discussion. But then on top of it, the different climates, the different peoples, Absolutely. the different histories, the different food traditions. Use of protein. Yeah, like what are you envisioning yeah. when you say that? Can, yep. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. But, no, but no, this no. is where I get a little like, a little bit. Uh-huh. Okay. And <laughs> don't take offense to this, Ben. But like, then when you get white people who are like, my gosh, I went to 15 different regions and 
yeah, you know, in Italy, and oh, let me learn about this beautiful da da da, and da da da, and oh yeah, and then there's France. We went to this part. Like somehow the Eurocentric way of food there is so much more like blah, and and it was so interesting where somebody said, uh, Li Pao Zhong actually said, you know, he's talking to me and he said, think about the history of France. We can trace it back, you know, and and it's like yeah, it's like a couple thousand years old. The history of China is 7,000 years old. What is 2,000 to 7? Nothing. Nothing. And so it's like there is this, right. like, it is so true that, you know, like, history is written by the winners or, who, you know, whatever, you yeah. know? Because it's like somebody can talk romantically and beautifully about all the regions of Italy. Like, or, like or Churchill all. said, history, history will remember me kindly because I intend to write it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. But then it's like, uh, why isn't like my quote unquote Asian food come with the you know with two egg rolls and some wontons and I'll be yeah. five ninety nine? Like yeah. why doesn't it do that? Where are my staples? Yeah, <laughs> and, and this is the part where I get super freaking pissed about is somebody will pay thirty two dollars for a raviolo, which is one big raviolo, yes. which like, it's yeah. great. Don't get me wrong, it's delicious. Thirty two bucks. Oh my gosh, this is so great. Yes, but they will freak out. When handmade dumplings yeah. are made, and you get 10 of them for like, I don't know, eight bucks, and it's like, oh, this used to be five. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? So there, it's like, I get real jacked up about that. Yeah. I'm like, wait. Yeah. So basically, it's both the same thing. They're both handmade, whatever. You'll right. pay $32 without a blink of an eye because it's a European dish. It was, we managed to elevate Italian to where we're paying what we're supposed to pay, but we're still struggling to do it with a lot of Asian cuisines yep. and uh, a lot of uh, um, South American and Central American cuisines. Yep. But I want, like, when people get mad about a 350 taco, yeah. I'm like, really? Well, you, what, had a, you just had a smash burger that was $19. And what you can't get fr- four what tacos me, for that price. What gets me going is this, is like, do you know where noodles, like pasta came from yeah. in the Italian? They right. took it from the Chinese. Uh, right. Marco Polo took a trip, found this, and goes, whoa, if we put flour and water together, we can make this? And he brought it back. Like, and they brought these ideas back to Italy. Sure. Like, what? I like, mean, shit, the Italians stole a lot of stuff. Yeah, I was like, don't ask yeah. him about tomatoes. Red, <laughs> yeah. so- red, yeah. sauce, red sauce was called sauce uh, espanol. Yeah, um, the Spaniards took (laughs) potatoes from the Aztecs. Yeah, and that's how potato got to Europe. And we always think Irish Uh, potatoes. We did me and Rob, you know, from Folly Rob from Folly Cop. We did this little spiel thing about you know potatoes, and we're like, and we we deep dive, and we're like, dude, this is actually from Central America, and it went back, Uh, and it got to the point where they thought that potatoes were so bad that they outlawed it. mm You know, Netflix should do a series just about food thievery. Yes, it yeah. shows like where every and it, you know, like playfully, but like how things became what they are. By yeah. you know, like when you were talking about various Asian cuisines, I was thinking like Malaysian cuisine. Yeah, it's like a confluence of so many things. Oh yeah, and it's like so you look at Malay, and fun, Malay food, and they're like, "What are you?" They're like, crazy. "I don't know." Yeah, like we're just like yeah, because they, really care. because like, they were the central port yep. for yeah. all these different you know countries. Wild. Well, or even something that's ubiquitous that even people that don't understand. 
the history, like most people would be familiar with like a Bon Mi. Yep. And thinking about mm. the cultural crossroads that yeah, is right. all represented in that single sandwich mm. and the amount of history and pain and ins- mm-hmm. like just craziness that goes into how that becomes a thing yep. that you can get in yeah. any city anywhere yeah. in America. And then there's the entire wild. dynamic of whether something, what, whether you took something or whether something was forced yes. upon you. Yes. Yes. Like in Lebanon where so, there yep. have been so many different cultures that have been present there by force. So we have French pastries, we have Turkish coffee, Absolutely. we have Roman affectations and uh, the Mesopotamians and the, the Syrians and Turkish. Like there's so many. Yep. F- we kept some nice things like thanks for the memories. <laughs> like the yep. reason we have Turkish coffee and beautiful French pastries is because mm-hmm. it was brought over by force and we kept it when they left. Yeah. Well, even, you know, you might think of like Midi- uh, uh, Middle Eastern food. Like there's like... That's why, like, I love what Sam A did with saffron, right? Yeah. He's just like, dude, I'm, I'm just gonna go up, and I'm just like, dude, you're gonna pay for, it, you're gonna pay for, it. That's right. you know. But before that, it was like, dude, like, I, I could put this in a pita, and it has to be five ninety nine, you know. It's like, but dude, do you understand the process of making that? It's like, right. but it's like, I don't want to pay more than that. And like, I want my salad too, with my little feta cheese and my, you know, and 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 it's like, wait a minute, what? But you're willing to go to some French restaurant and drop thirty two dollars easily. You know, on a three ounce little salamandered osobuco. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. Because I mean, because that's I mean, that's one of the things. It's like, don't get me wrong. Like, I have a background in French cooking because that's what restaurants I cooked in. That's all it was. But it hit me when I'm like, and I'm not trying to be some kind of like Joan of Arc, whatever. Like, that's just not me. Like, I'm not that. But what I am trying to say is, the way that we eat in America is very central, uh, very uh, Eurocentric. Yep. And because because it's like these are the people who set the rules. But it's okay for us to break these rules. Because it's like the way that we talk about the V9 menu, people go, oh, you, it's family style. I'm like, no, you know what? No, it's called dinner. We, it's not a style for us, the mm-hmm. way that we eat. We eat with all the food in the middle. Oh, yeah, what's well, family style? No, 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 no. It's just the way we eat. Yeah, that's how and, you contextualize it. Yeah, absolutely. This is because how, they, how you dine. E- even with what we're doing, we, we're, it, this isn't a dish for you. This is a dish for the table. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, my, my dad had this saying to us when we were kids and we fight all the dumb, stupid things. He would say, when you, ha- when you say this is mine, you have less. But when you say this is ours, you have more. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's like oh, the God. philosophy of what we want to do. I got to take that one with me. That is, yeah. that might be one of the most beautiful ways to look at life. Absolutely. Like, you know, holy th- shit, there's, a, there's a old Hmong proverb that says, true brothers will share even a grain of rice. Yeah. You know, and it's like this idea where it's like, this is all ours. And the moment you say this is mine, what happens? You're like, oh my gosh, I, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. So the, the way that we do our food in Vinay is that we don't make individual plates for people. Because when you make individual plates for people, what does that happen? That says, this is the limit. But mom and dad, when they made food for us, they just put it in the middle because there is no limit. It is like that scene from Hook. Remember when they had the food fight <laughs> yeah. scene? Which is, by the way, the greatest scene in the world. As boys growing up. One of the greatest I, food scenes yes, ever, Yes, I'm like, just like, just, I have no idea what this green stuff they're throwing at what each other. I, yeah. I still imagine that, you, you know. You taste it. Yeah, you <laughs> can literally taste it. I love that scene because, like, when Peter was able to realize that, oh, my gosh, we actually have so much here. Yeah. Like, it was like, we had so much that we could just throw this around. And it's, it's just oh, so yeah. beautiful. It's the way that we want to change the way people think about food because that's part of the Hmong philosophy of food, you know? Yes. So I'm sorry, that took no, no, away. No, 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 not at all. That's, that's, that's the key to it. Yeah, we're going that, down some interesting avenues yeah. here. Yeah. I'm, I'm appreciative of that. I do want to remark that I was yesterday at Petit Leon for mm-hmm. um, the Cochin de Pibil meal mm-hmm. that um, Chef Guzman did for the first time. He's never done one. 
in Minnesota. And prior to serving us, he was just remarking how like people don't understand Yucatan cuisine mm-hmm. or Mayan cuisine in the United States and how like he saw um, Yucatan guacamole on a store shelf and he's like, that means literally nothing. <laughs> yeah. That means absolutely nothing. It's but a then, fun word, Yucatan, you know, Yucatan. like oh, I can, I'll charge you five bucks. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, the one thing he said that I found like, uh, a, like a little sad, but you know, hopefully I can live to see some changes that he said that, man, he would love to open a Yucatan restaurant, but he said there's no way Minnesota's ready for that. Yeah. That's part of the reason I thought about this topic in mm-hmm. discussing it with you is that I would love it if we can keep advancing our knowledge and and um, accessibility of various cuisines so that people can learn like take it upon themselves to educate to self-educate mm-hmm. to have demand for like my more like um, localization even mm-hmm. amongst various countries mm-hmm. instead of saying like this is from this country yeah which Quan, that's what you're talking about with Indian food yeah the thing is I want to really quickly say that part of the reason perhaps that your friend demonizes Indian food is because I was talking to CJ about this yesterday. Siege. Siege. How Indian food used to be portrayed in American sitcoms as being, if you eat it, you're going to shit your pants. Yeah. Yep. Like Which, a ben Stiller can you imagine where, how horrible that is? Like you, you just no. took a whole people group and yep. demoralized them to a like- billion oh. people. Yeah. <laughs> to like, oh yeah, if you eat this food, this is what's going to happen to yeah. you. Yeah, there's a Ben Stiller movie where he's like, oh no, she invited me to an... I don't remember which one exactly it was. It's a Long King Polly. There you go. Yeah, Yeah, was it? Yeah, I think so. He's like, oh she oh man, she invited me to an Indian restaurant. What do I do? And then he sits down on the cushions on the floor and, you know, they do the audio of his stomach rumbling and then like he shits his pants in the cab or something. I don't remember exactly. But like even at the time I was like, dude, I like Indian food. That's kind of fucked up. But now I'm like, that's... That's really? awful. People, millions of people watch that, and then we're like, "I'm never eating Indian food." Yeah, and literally, like, if there was a cuisine that was going to do that, it's probably like traditional American cuisine. Mm-hmm. Like a super greasy ass burger is probably mm-hmm. what's going to make you shit yourself if that's going to be a yeah. thing. I, 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 yeah. Also, please don't ever think that I would be offended by by anything oh, no. like that. Like, I'm on I'm on my own journey to try and learn yeah. more about the world around me and figure out what my place is mm-hmm. in that. And all, all of that only comes from education. And we are all of a certain age where we were, we were only shown one type of media. Mm-hmm. And no matter what your background is, it's hard to ignore that when it's just being showered on you. And then once we finally found ways for other voices to start mm-hmm. speaking their culture and their truth, yeah. to me, it's just, I, I have to keep learning. Yeah. And my answer to your question, Charles, was uh, I was fortunate enough years ago to, uh, to run a couple restaurants uh, and we had an influx of uh, Ethiopian and Eritrean yeah. Yeah. Uh, immigrants that had came in yep. and were working. And I, I'm fascinated by languages, and I was I was always tr- trying to ask questions and, and learn more, and like learn how do I how can I respond to you in a positive way in, in your dialect mm-hmm. and, and all that. And a couple uh, of my employees, who I really truly just loved, uh, started bringing in food from home and asking mm-hmm. if I wanted to sit down and, and yep. eat. And when you're looking at where humanity originated, mm-hmm. this cuisine has been there as long, or has been growing in this area, yeah. as long as we have been bipeds walking around. Mm-hmm. And to have all of that and to taste those flavors, and it, I, I don't understand if we want to talk about, we love history, and if we want to talk about that this is a melting pot, how do you not kind of start at the beginning? And yeah. usually the only places that you can go are in neighborhoods where a restaurant like that could 
afford to open, but are never reviewed in papers, are never talked yep, about right. on social media. And it usually ends up being just its own culture that, yep. that supports that, which is beautiful. Yeah. And, and obviously everybody should have a taste of whatever they're used mm-hmm. to in their neighborhood. But for me, I wish there was more of a focus as we're, you know, we're running different food channels now and as Netflix is just stocking mm-hmm. stuff up and Hulu's stocking stuff up, mm-hmm. we do all these deep dives, but it still ends up being from, from a Eurocentric diving board. Yeah. And Even you, like the food apps, when it's got the 20 categories, many of them, I don't know, maybe they do now. There's like, there's no, just give me like an African category. Yeah, like, and, and then, that? And then even if it is, like, what are we talking about? Are we talking about... Like, like uh, Nigerian food. Yeah, or, or are we right, talking yeah, about like Mediterranean? Anything. Or yeah. are we talking about, you know, like South Africa? Like there are so many, there's so much history and so many cultures and so many peoples. And it just, either it doesn't even exist, so it's completely unseen, or it does exist lumped into an entire yeah. continent. Yeah, I want to I wanna get rid of a couple words or a couple sections that food media uses. Ethnic food. Oh, I can't stand that. Mm. Well, isn't all, doesn't all food come from a certain ethnicity? Yeah, right, but exactly. we, we know what it means when we say ethnic food. Yeah. Well, here's the other category, off the beaten path. What the frick does that mean? <laughs> it, means, it, it means like the path that was paved in gold. We have our good French restaurant, our Spanish restaurant. We have our Italian restaurant. But if you go off the beaten path to the not so savory part of town, yeah. wow, there's this little gem in here that's so charming. What the frick is off the beaten path, man? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like we, we don't want them on our golden street path. Yep. So you, if you want to, you know, if you ever want, it, it makes it makes us who are quote unquote off the beaten path feel like it's a zoo. Hey, if you on a Saturday, you want to take your family and go see the crazy people off the beaten path, there's this little place you can eat. And That's what well, also makes the plate five ninety five. Yeah, because they because they have to, because yeah. it's off the beaten path, right. you know. And we, we can't charge thirty two bucks for something that we should be charging thirty two dollars for. Right. I mean, I think Mung Village is a great example of that. And 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 and, mm. oh, and there, here's my soapbox. There's another one. I got a couple of And That's what mm-hmm. pisses me off when we do what we do, and we charge a little higher. And even our own people are like, "Oh, this is so expensive." I can go to Mung Village and get da 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 da. We have so many reviews like that from our own people. And sometimes I get so frustrated because it, it's two parts. One, our own people, we hold ourselves down, you know, because we're like, you got to know what your damn worth is and you got to go out there and get it. Right. Any of us, we, we know that. But then when it comes to food, it's like, well, we, you know, for 10 bucks, I can get like eight gallons of, you know, like this and like this and I can just have a great... Yeah, but man, do you understand who you're buying that from? Do you understand that the mom pa who has a little, you know, um, stall at Mung Village has to work there freaking 12 hours a week, you know, or sorry, 12 hours a day, seven days a week just to hustle that because you pay them with a $10 bill because that's for our people. Secondly, then we have a lot of food writer goes, hey, if you want some cheap eats, what? Uh, Are you uh, kidding me? Yeah, for sure. Cheap eats? Right. Dude, are you kidding me? You go to freaking uh, Matt's and what is it, like 10 bucks now for a burger there mm-hmm. or whatever? I mean, it's, it's up. And nobody, nobody says anything about it. You know? That's it. You know, you, we're, we're dropping smash burgers, right? Charles, yep. you were yeah. saying like $19 for a chair. Nobody's like, this is the greatest thing ever. Right. You know? But the moment you budget prices, ah, oh, man, that was our cheap eats. That's important. It's marketing, characterization, the yeah. way that the media portrays things, the way, and like socially, yeah, you need 
you need your people and that that doesn't just mean like Hmong people that also yeah. just means people I, in the community saying yeah. I want to pay this like you brought up yeah. Saffron earlier yep. man it was I excited when Saffron opened yeah. because I was like I want to see people yep. elevate and put care and time into mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. this cuisine and not everything is elevated obviously but yeah. I want them to have the the yeah. range to do whatever they want mm -hmm. and to be able to charge what you should charge yeah. but you can't make a $4 sandwich and then also ask for a 26.99 plate yeah. Because that constant. Well, you know what's what's really interesting is Oh sorry, Jars, I didn't mean to jump on you there. No, but what's really interesting is this. It's the idea of like okay, just for example, it's like if you put on a suit, it feels good, doesn't it? Oh yeah. Like to, to have a suit or button up shirt. It feels good. Like I, I you know, you you know, I've seen these social experiments where they, you know, they find somebody who's, you know, like a homeless person and they clean them up, give them a haircut, give them a shower, put them a suit, and it just feels good, right? And I see that from a certain point of food. Sure. When 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 we're charging what we're charging, because the most sausage we do is made handmade. It's not some big processing machine. Right. We have people that we pay. 18 to, you know, $19 an hour for they're doing this. Like, bills got to get paid. Like, it feels good that, like, we're charging the prices that we're charging. We're not swimming in it. You know, you guys all been, you know, you guys know the restaurant industry. We're not swimming in it. But it feels good. Like, oh, wow. Like, we, so there, in America, there's this idea of, like, if it's more expensive, that means it gets to the front of the line a little better. So I'm like, let's just play that game. We're going to charge what we're going to charge because it's what we need to charge. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll bring you in on our budget meetings because we'll talk about, we'll price right. it out and be like, okay, and then you do your 33% thing and you're like, this is what we need to charge. You know, it's not like we sit there and goes, $18, haha, -ha, we got them. You know, like, right. absolutely not. For sure. You know, but then there is like, it, again, like, like, like with a person that puts on a good suit or puts on some great clothes and then takes a shower and combs their hair, you just, there's just something that feels good. Like, whoa. And I think that it's the same thing when you think of like pricing some of these food items, yeah. you know, because it, it's hard. And, and I, I, that's where I struggle. That's where I struggle because, you know, some people like most of the bad reviews we get are from our own people that says, oh, I could get this at Hmong Village for, you know, a third of the price. And like, then go to Hmong Village, bro. Yeah. But you know that if you go to Hmong Village, you keep pushing that, you know what you're doing to the aunties and the uncles that are there? They got to work three times as hard just to make their rent because you're not willing to pay a little. And the people who are saying that, I'm going, bro, I know who you are. I know you guys got a good job. I know you're making 75 to 80 a year. Like, you can afford this. Yeah, you know? Wouldn't it be nicer if they looked at it the other way and said that the people among Village should charge a little more because they deserve it? <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm well, the people among Village, the, a lot of the vendors in there, they're always so scared because they limit themselves. Because if one stall goes a little higher... You're all tied th together. Then you're done. Yep. You know, and so it's like, okay, well, I have to be just enough. So there's like yeah, almost this like unwritten tough. rule where like we kind of have the price range across is the same, you know? Yeah. But, but I mean, I... I it's one of those things where I go, look, I, I Hmong Village has its place. Like, I, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But then it's also like, man, like, I just think that we need to, like, as Hmong people, for us, for me, I'm like, we need to push ourselves and say, we got to know what we're worth. And we got, you know, we take that stand for it, you know? Hell yeah. Charles, did, did you, Sorry, man, did you feel your answer? No, and I'm taking this in a, in a different direction. So my brother, Tony, who I adore, he's disabled. Shout out to Tony doesn't have a lot of joys in life. Mm -hmm. One of the things that he loves most is motherfucking sweets. He's got a sweet tooth. <laughs> Tony's a diabetic. And I search high and low for uh, sugar-free or sugar-alternative foods for him. 
And I wish that there was more of that available mm. um, store shelves or bakeries or if mm-hmm. someone were to open a small boutique bakery that was mm-hmm. literally just sugar-free, they'd have all the keto people on their side, firstly. Yeah. <laughs> but then also, like, we have all the gym bros go over there. Big time. That's, <laughs> dude, that's what's funny is when I find a lot of stuff for Tony, it's keto. So, like, I'll look up keto, keto snacks, keto yeah. baked goods. How much you bench, bro? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it ends up, I find a lot of stuff because people are making it for this particular group that is, yeah. um, uh, by choice, eating things with no sugar in them. Uh, Marnie, bless her heart, makes stuff for Tony pretty frequently, like brownies and things like that. And she's gotten pretty adept at it, but she's so good at it and does it at such an amateur level that I'm like, man, I wish like, bakeries would pay maybe just a little more attention to that. Yeah. If someone would be first and like promote it really heavily, mm-hmm. you know, buy a $500 sponsored post on Facebook and then you'd have people clamoring, yeah. banging on the mm-hmm. doors because Tony's not the only diabetic in town. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something where I feel like there's a lot of room for growth and um, it, I would say that's an underserved population people who mm-hmm. need to need to consume sugar-free but still like sweet things it'll be nice to see some growth in that area totally. as, as we go forward thanks for taking the easy route on that one <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I you're 100 percent right and given the amount of high fructose corn syrup and sugar that we pump mm-hmm. into everything mm. in this country showing people that there's another route that also can still taste really good yeah I, any any do it anyways of, right yeah, any leaps right. that you can make to help educate people a little bit more and in all reality I, i'm seeing this as an overweight gentleman uh anything to help people be thick a little boy healthy. remember a thick, thick boy, boy. Yeah. Thick boy. <laughs> two c's on a, thick. a brick built furry man <laughs> yeah yeah uh but any, like anything that, that normalizes yeah I'm the, i am storting it <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it doesn't, it's not quite the same as this is Sparta, but maybe that'll be my, my thing that I yell. You're built but, for Minnesota, bro. Yeah. That's cool. But I, just, I really do, I, I think that we're finally crossing a barrier that I have seen in my own life where making things at home and learning to cook is not only just like, oh, that's an interesting hobby, but it's something that like people are beginning to value. Mm-hmm. And anytime that you can take some control back in that and start doing more, I think that's great. But if we could start promoting that as a business, I, I, to me, I also think that that would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't, to me, I'm able to define whether it's like something that is terribly niche or something that there would be demand for. If someone did a good job of that, there, Absolutely. there would be demand for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is that someone's got to someone's got to think it's a good idea to make yeah. a vocation, yeah. right? Yeah. Someone has to say, "I want to make this my vocation," and it, very likely it'll end up being someone who is either diabetic or keto, like someone who's like, "I'm doing it for the ketos." Yeah. <laughs> All the gym bros out there, yeah, when you're getting jacked and yoked, we yeah. got you right here with this yeah. brownie and this beautiful crisp sandwich. Yeah, crisp sandwich. Well, speaking of, let's get it. Boom! Cheers. So we are on to the seventeen ninety two. Mm. Man, I really like that barrel. It's good enough to drink. Yeah, good enough to drink. How about that? How about it? All right. Uh, this is going to sound like the start of an easy question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to twist it at the end a little bit here. Yeah. So it's 3 a.m. You were at the bar all night with your friends, and you decide, as we all do, to be like, why don't you all come over? And like everybody's yep. coming over to the house, right? Yep. One of your friends decides that he's going to challenge you to make something from scratch. For, okay. for a group of drunk people. Okay. You open up your fridge and your pantry, it's all magically stocked. Mm-hmm. Nobody has to go to the store. Okay. What would you make? Is this pantry or is this pantry fridge or whatever? This is, this is at everything. your house. Okay, all of a sudden, there. everything's magically there. Yeah. 
Whatever you need, yeah. Yeah, whatever you need. Like, every yeah. time you move something, something else appears that okay, you might cool. want. So you got everything at your fingertips. Yeah. What would you make? What are you listening to? And if you're pouring a drink, what would your drink be? Oh, okay. Pouring a drink, uh, probably, I, I keep it real simple. Uh, you know, some kind of, um, uh, like a Moscow mule, you know, you know, or, or I'll, I, I mean, not vodka, I'll use like bourbon or whatever, Sure. you know, or so, so literally in my liquor cabinet, it's bourbon, tequila and mezcal. <laughs> so it's, it's like that with ginger beer, you know, solid. Yeah. <laughs> or, um, yeah, that real simple lime. Um, and then listening, um, I'm, a. Uh, I'm a, oh my gosh, this is so bad. <laughs> no, I'll go with it. I'm a, I'm I love a, it. I love the face already. I know, man. <laughs> this is like, this is like the TGI Friday of music, you know, or like the Applebee's of music, right? Like bro country music, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Like Georgia, Florida line, yeah. you know, <laughs> all the Nelly remix with Tim McGraw, you know, <laughs> Luke Bryant. Mud flaps and ass yeah, chaps. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. All the stuff where it's just like, you're listening, you're like, Dude, man, you 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 got it rough, bro. Like, what's going on? You know. So I I usually jam out of that, or or the other side is um my um like you know I I'm I, I jam out to like you know boy band music. You know, like it's just, it's just fun having because it's something that everybody secretly loved growing up. But like all the dudes were like, oh, what? But like you're like you're like I want it that way. Tell me what. You know, I don't even know what this is, man. Everyone knows that song. Yeah, and everyone like, has their part that they sing yep, too. Yep, and everyone like yeah, you know, it's like you know, you know the little chair dance too and everything. Yeah, anyways. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that, and then uh, fried rice. You know, Ooh. you always have some kind of rice. I mean, fried rice is the ultimate late night adult drink food. It soaks everything in. You always have like, you know, like uh, I, I think you were saying how there's always like that one sausage left from Kamarchak yep. or something. Yep. Yep. Uh, you're like, hey, you're you know Ukrainian kibasa, whatever, you know, or right. or there's always like four strips of bacon left. Yep. You're like, whatever, you know, um, you know, there's fish sauce, oyster sauce, lemongrass, ginger, garlic. It's always you know kind of something I always have in there. Yeah. So it's like, oh, and then we have some rice, you know, like either day old rice or just cold rice, eggs, you For know, sure. and. Then it becomes this, you know, plethora of how many scraps of protein do can we find, mm-hmm. you know? And it becomes like we got shrimp, throw it in, yeah, and we got like a half, you know, a half a pound of halibut from three weeks ago. Put it in there, you know. <laughs> Fuck it. And then, yeah, and then you just toss it up with an egg in there, you know. Then it becomes that borderline: is this brunch or is this late night? I don't know, you know, because yeah, and then that's it. I mean, like that's I. Might have done that kind of stuff yeah. before. I believe you know? it. I believe it. Yeah. Right away, I was like, you've done this. Yeah, no, it's fried this rice. Like I mean, come on. Reality. And every right. country has its own fried, quote-unquote, fried rice, right? Yeah. You can call yeah, it whatever paella, you want. You want to call it paella. You want to, you know, um, what's that? I think it's an Arabic dish. You know, it's like the one with the, like, the, the, the rice. Yeah, where it's like crispy. Moroccan. Do like, like you know Moroccan, what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah, you throw it over and it's just like, Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, with the saffron yeah. and everything in oh, there. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of that. Um, where you get like, the crunchy bits are the best yeah, part because yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, whole yeah, bottom. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's a like, lot of cultures do that. 
yeah, cookie. Some, along yeah. those lines, you know. Oh, um, yeah. With, it's like, it becomes like a cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? They flip it on the uh, pan, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. A, I, like an Iranian, yeah. Palestinian, yeah. like a lot of, like probably Qatar. Yeah. You see that at a lot of places like every, in the like UAE now. Every culture in that area kind of mm-hmm. has its own version of it. Yeah. Um, and then like Morocco with the tagine yep, and the lamb yep. and the rice. Um, and you know, the Koreans have their bimibap, which is basically fried rice, you know. Um, yeah, bits. I mean, everyone has it. I mean, it's just a starch to soak things up, and then you can add whatever you want with it, you know? Kanji is not crispy, but yeah. you can throw I a mean, bunch of stuff in kanji. Yeah. Kanji is, you know, like if you think shrimp and grits, basically, but instead like of corn, favorite, you have... My favorite savory breakfast food would be kanji, man. Yeah. Kanji, oh. We cannot sell kanji at all. It's so good, but it's so hard to sell. Most people yeah. love the crap out of it, but we Dude, cannot Dude, it might be like, Kwam, when we were, before we came on, you were talking about that, like drab ugly dish in your culture that probably you know it's like when you look at kanji it doesn't it looks like it's baby food it looks like you put it in your mouth let's call it what it's but bro but but to me okay so this kind of goes back with the whole eurocentric thing right to me shrimp and grits you're gonna pay 32 dollars because it's shrimp right Right. but if i do a shrimp kanji it's like uh what i'm like dude it's corn mush (laughs) and rice mush but yeah. shrimp and grits got a good PR group. Right. Yep. You know? Yeah. Rice is more expensive than corn, bro. Yeah, yeah exactly. I know. <laughs> I know. Per kernel. You think about it, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. On so. a kernel by kernel basis. <laughs> yeah. What's that Mitch Hepburn? What's that Mitch Hepburn thing where he talks about, when I feel sad, I eat rice because it's like me eating a thousand little things or something. <laughs> Whenever I'm feeling lonely and I want to yeah. eat a thousand yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> That's what I think about when I'm eating rice. I'm like, whoa, wow, I just ate like a thousand <laughs> of these. <laughs> Oh, Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> uh, Charles, what about you? Oh, man. What about me? Oh, yeah. So, um, what you're making, what you're drinking, what you're listening to. Okay. So, I'm going to put, I'm going to frame the drinking with what I'm usually doing really late at night. I usually go from like, I go light to hard because I end up at the end of the night if I'm not where I want to be. Uh, and also I get sick of sugar. I want just like spirits. And (laughs) in many cases that means Malort. I drink a lot of Malort at the end of the night. I want bitter. Like I want bitter on my palate. I just want something to sip on that isn't sweet and that the dominant characters, because there's herbal qualities in there. But like, I just love having that bitter on my palate and I drink a lot of that at the end of the night. So I'm going to say drinking Malort musically uh, you know, it can't be death metal because then people were going home. They're not going to wait for me to finish the meal. So at the end of the evening, I'm probably going to play something like chill, low-key, some Leon Bridges or Charles Bradley, something like that. Something to make people feel relaxed. They can enjoy the meal and then they can get the fuck out. <laughs> kind of a thing. We're talking now 3 a.m. It's 3 a.m. at this point. But, uh, you know, that can, that can vary too. If we're outside, shit, okay, we're outside because what I'm cooking is yakitori, so we're actually going to listen mm. to some Yacht Rock. Ooh, love it. Listen, yeah. Love it. So you know that I got Kitchen Stadium all set up now, and we'll talk more about real Kitchen Stadium <laughs> at the end of yeah. this. But I've been, calling, yeah. talking about that. I've been calling my yard um, Kitchen Stadium because I got, like, my giant Yoder grill. I got my Gosney Pizza Dome. I got a Yakitori grill now. Blackstone. What kind of Yakitori grill you got? Uh, it is called Yak. Okay. Are oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. So I, I recently procured that. The cool thing about it is that, like, I love yakitori, but also it's a very Lebanese thing. And I yep. know, obviously, Absolutely. you no. have parallel suit as well, because I've seen you cooking over the cinders. It's, mm-hmm. like, a very similar thing in Lebanon. They have, like, very shallow. Yep. It looks like a goddamn keyboard, but you grill Dude, on it. Dude, it's the most basic 
food. Super fire meat on yep. stick over hot, fire. Hot, I mean, hot, like hot. And how caveman more, more, is more, that? More. Yeah, and like the wood they use looks like vinjitan. You yeah, know? like in Lebanon, they're like these little spirals, but yep. it's not expensive. It's just yeah. like these are the wood spirals that we yep. use. And then when you're done, you take the grates off, and then you throw it on your hookah, and now you're smoking hookah with the same yeah. coals. You know, like I'm so accustomed to that when I'm visiting Lebanon. We need to make that happen here as well. That yeah, it's pretty. Well, we're gonna wonderful. do it when Ayakatori. But anyways, I'm already like, never mind the making things suddenly materialize. I was just talking about to Peter Bean about this the other day because he gave me a bunch of Szechuan peppercorns that he procured so that I could use them. You know um, how he sneaked that into the country? He put it into his places on his button. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he did, he did tell me something funny, but I'm not going to repeat it. Did he give you about, a watch after? How they, yeah. Like, but, hmm. um, it has an earthy taste <laughs> of these peppercorns. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm going to use this to make a shishimi togarashi. Yeah. And like, I, I want to do everything full bore. I ordered 40 pound, 35 pounds of Jidori chicken, yeah. so I got. They, dude, they sell they sell Pope's noses by the pound. I can yeah. get tails by the pound. That's my favorite chicken piece. I was like, you got to be kidding. They're Jidori chickens, and I can get tails by the pound. So I got those gizzards, soft yeah. cartilage, soft bone, uh, heart, liver, and then yeah. like whole chickens that I can break down. And I'm I'm gonna spend the summer with like my my tare my like all that stuff I want to do like fucking yakitori and then I'll do Lebanese food on there too, mm-hmm. which I have. Actually, similar expertise into yakitori because I don't cook enough Lebanese food, but I want to learn. Yeah. So yakitori late at night, a hot summer day. It's 3 a.m. out in the yard. You know, bring the sanos out. Don't make it too loud. The neighbors might get pissed off. But turn on some Yacht Rock. Little pour Steely some, Dan, little, pour little some Christopher Malort, Cross. Crack a couple more High yeah. Lives. That's what's up. I love and it. And then, like, just skewer some stuff up and just blast it on the bincha tan. And then that's a that's a great late late night snack too. Because if you're in like a market like New York or LA and it's super yeah. late at night, those are some of the shops you're gonna find that are actually open really late at night. Yeah. And then it gives you that little something that like you're craving like some fat and some crunch and some heat and yeah. some spice. You get that, and then at the very end, you know they give you a little rice thing because they give you some carbs to get you the fuck out the door. Yeah. And then you you go back to your hotel room and you go to sleep. <laughs> that sounds like a fantastic <laughs> night right there. And we need to figure out how to do that soon. It's, <laughs> it's going down. Uh, I think for me, I, I also agree with you in that usually if I've been out drinking all night, like yeah. my palate's kind of shot. I don't want anything else sweet. And I've caught myself probably most nights. If I'm going to have one more at home, we have a soda stream. I'll just make a soda water. You're so fancy, man. Right? Girl. Uh, and I'll do, I'll do. I you are a LaCroix, house-made LaCroix, guys. <laughs> so I do. Do you want pomba mousse? <laughs> yeah, it's crafted. definitely not, it's not yeah, great fruit. Whatever, if it's dude. in soda water, you it's change, 100% pomba mousse. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'll do. Grapefruit in it. Pumplemousse. Pumplemousse. Yeah. This is a grapefruit. As soon as I squeeze it into Hibiscus. the bubbles, is pumplemousse. <laughs> uh, but I'll do it like an Akavit soda with maybe a squeeze of lemon. Like something okay. that's really dry, mm. effervescent, like just kind of cuts it all. Uh, I'm obsessed. Uh, Suki and Mimi is the only bar I've ever been to that is 100. It's batting 1,000 right now. Okay. For every time I go there, I end up buying a record that I heard play. Mm. And... Uh, Oh, you did mention a record on I am previous. I am four for four right four now. Four for four. Four for four. You, the basement bar. Do, basement right? bar. Oh, they do yeah, real to real there like they do at the back bar. They MVP have one, but no? I've never seen it in use. Ah, they have okay. one there. The only okay. thing that I've ever seen is records playing. And every single time that I go and sit at that bar, I end up ordering a record from a record store while I'm sitting at the bar because okay, I'm so you can tell us about the most recent record. The most recent record. All right, what is uh, it? This, is, this has been about two weeks now, just been rocking it. It's called mm-hmm. uh, Wild Chile, 
and it is a collection of 1960s surf rock songs from Chile. <laughs> so it's it's all in Spanish. It's all surf rock. It is the most fun. Like I was I was cooking to it two days ago, and I was giggling while I was listening to it because it's such a confluence of culture, and it's just spectacular. And it's all like legit surf rock. 1960s Chilean surf rock. Yep. It's Holy it's a shit. it's it's nichier than niche. I'm but, not gonna, I'm not gonna call you a hipster, but but it's fucking. But we are. <laughs> it's so like it's one of those things that if you put it on anywhere, like I couldn't I, the just, whole time I was sitting there listening. Wanna, you just want to jive. I was looking around the restaurant and it. or the bar, and as soon as they put that record on, I I got immediately obsessed, and then I'm talking to the bartender. He brings the cover over so I can see it, and I started looking around, and it that record literally changed the vibe of the entire place. Like, all of a sudden, you could see people talking, and they start doing, like, a little mellow version of, like, the Charlie Brown dance, where their heads are kind of moving side to side a little bit. Like, people are kind of moving their shoulders. I'm like, this is the power of music right there. I mm-hmm. love that. I, I also, I'm not ever going to shit on your, the, the boy band thing. Because yeah, full disclosure, I mean, when I moved home from Norway, uh, I asked my friends, we went out to, the, to a bar that night, and I asked my friends what I had missed. And they said, uh, boy bands are bigger than they've ever been. And, yes. And Blink-182 is the biggest rock band on earth right now. And I was like, what? <laughs> Wait, here or? I, yeah. I had just gotten back from Norway. So I had, oh. I had missed out on everything because at the time, pre-internet, uh, yeah. they still played mostly Norwegian music, Scandinavian music, okay. or, or at best European music. Okay. Like, there was no rap on the radio. There was no American pop on the radio. So I, I didn't know. And then we didn't have, there, were, there, were, there was no real legitimate internet mm-hmm. for me to learn what was going on. And 100%, the first time I went to the store after that, I bought uh, Backstreet Boys, Larger Than Life. Yeah. And I bought Blink-182 at Enema of the State. And those still hit. Yeah, I mean, I think, especially with boy band, like, it's all these moms now that are just like, it's okay. Yeah. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, they're moms now because when they first met these guys, they were teens or whatever now they're all these moms are like we can go to las vegas with the girls and you know you know backstreet boys has a residency there so we can go to the girl it's a girls weekend and let's go like relive our high school days you know i could do a half an hour podcast just about aj's part on the call from black and blue the the album backstreet boys album after that like i go hard in the paint for that but that's so that's happening but i'm the opposite when it comes to food I, I love what both of you said, but I love something really like, like kind of gluttonous at the end of the night because that's my, I'm going to go to bed. So right. I, th- I thought a lot about it. And I think if I could, if I could make anything right there, I have a stroganoff recipe that I can do in my Instapot that involves uh, a healthy amount of top the tater, the Ooh, yeah. chip dip. As, oh, yeah. as you the thickening, out the instant pot at three a.m. Damn right, because <laughs> once everything's in there, then I can go back to hanging out and drinking with my friends, mm. and then everybody kind of forgets that it's going on, and all of a sudden, beep beep, everybody food's ready. Just slam on some super fatty, salty, chock full of mushrooms, beef falling apart as it hits your mouth. Everybody houses it and start the stopwatch within twenty minutes. Everybody's either on their way home or sleeping. So I got to have one last little party, and then I literally sprinkled some genies, genie sprinkles over everything. Oh, you genie sprinkle this? Down they go. Everybody either goes to sleep or the Ubers are on their way, and then I can get a little bit of sleep. Bye. That's my jam.
And your whole house smells I like don't remember because of the blow-off valve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't remember the last time I stayed up till three, guys, for real. Yeah. It's very rare. But like, let's just be honest. There's like, lots of... I stay up late every night, but not usually that. No, you know, like I mean, like, it's pretty rare. It, this question should be like, when rare. you're at... When it's 1030, yes. you know, yeah, like, I guess I should have rephrased it. Three? When, when you've been out at the bar for a session, when, yeah. you, when you put in a full day's work at the bar, yeah. everybody comes if over. You're t- so, for me, I can still... Thankfully, say that if if you're talking about late at night where people want another meal and they already had dinner, like for me, that's like one one thirty. Yeah, three. Yeah. Like, so I don't have any friends who are hanging with me till three. I, the the time was inconsequential. Yeah, and the it friends more, who do hang out with you three, you don't want them around. <laughs> oh man, see, my problem is I don't I don't have an off switch, so everyone has to leave for me to go to sleep, yeah. or else oh, I'll stay up. I still I'll still stay up till six a.m. Yeah, oh, young man's game. But it helps me though. This is all young man's it game. Help, these it days. helps me when people leave because then I'm like, all right. Yep, I'm like, the same way. I yeah. will. I will go until if it's... we're in the yard. Like last Friday, uh, we had just some people chilling in the yard, and people boop 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 all disappeared. And even Marnie went inside, and Nate and I were sitting outside. And he's like, "You know, I'm gonna get trucking." And it was about eleven, and I grabbed a cigar and I clipped it with my V cutter. I said, "All right, buddy, have a good night." And he goes, "What the fuck? Are you smoking another cigar?" I said, "Yeah." And he goes, God damn it. And he sits back down. And I was like, in my head, I was like, yes. <laughs> so then I got him to stick around till about about twelve thirty, but like. I almost had to trick him into reconsidering leaving. You inception him, didn't I did. you? I got you like the clip. You planted the idea. The little, like, <laughs> you implanted like, the idea. In the so he thinks that it's his idea, but you're like, it's <laughs> mine the whole time. <laughs> you <laughs> with your tricks. Oh. You got inception. Did you just grab my ass? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. That was good. Money. I'm not eating beef stroganoff at 3 a.m. though, I'll tell you right now. Hey, say that all you want. More for me. <laughs> if it was 3 a.m. right now and I was hammered, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'd have a different answer. But I'm like, man, I ain't be eating beef stroganoff. I, again, I'm not, I'm not blaming anybody else. If they don't want it, that's fine. I'm just saying if I could make anything, I love, like, I just, feel you. it's, it's good night juice, you know? I love that. Good night, good night milk. Milk. Well, a cup of warm milk before bed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you do. Oh, my God. A little cup of thick uh, mushroom oh. milk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thick as the mushroom. kids do. Yeah. Thick uh, mushroom uh, milk is a controversial uh, statement. Uh, I was say. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask TikTok what they it's think. It's a keto thing. It's a, <laughs> it's keto, a keto thing, yeah, guys. Keto. Keto. You're in bench, bro. <laughs> it's keto. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, Hashtag leg days. I think this is a, a me back-to-back, yeah? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um... I wanted to give you you credit. I've no, I I I thought about messaging you this year, and I, I actually once we figured out that you were going to be on the show, I wanted to tell you this in person. There's an episode of White on Rice that you did with uh, Jorge Guzman, yeah, and that was one of probably one of my top ten favorite podcasts. Oh, I've, cool! Thanks. Episodes I've ever listened to because you over Joe Rogan, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my God. bro Rogan. Yeah, uh, it, we we it was, talk- it was how much you guys spoke about elk. About what? Oh, elk. Yeah. So much elk. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, this is hard to say, but like, we talk a lot about uh, our our struggles with mental health and, mm-hmm. yeah. and trying to keep our heads above water. And it's, I almost feel like it's doubly hard when we are expected to be the big vivacious personality. Mm-hmm. And for me, part of it comes from, I really do love 
like bringing joy to people. I love making mm-hmm. people laugh. I love all that. But then there are times where it, like sometimes I'm also like performing because the more that I talk about or the more that I perform, maybe I'll trick myself into, yep. you know, kind of figuring my way out of it. And uh, to all of our listeners out there, when this episode is done, go check it out. It's just a really beautiful discussion about navigating the darkness and trying to find the light and all of that. Mm-hmm. That said, uh, we all go through shit. This is a crazy yeah. life, especially with, with your journey, uh, with trying to get the restaurant open. What, when, it, when, when things are rough or whatever, like, yeah. is there something that will always make you laugh? Is there something that will always bring you joy? Is there something that'll get a smile on your face? And it could be like the dumbest thing. It could be an old yeah. movie. It could be a talk with somebody that means something to you. Like, you can, you can go as funny or emotional, however you see that. Yeah. But uh, I feel like kind of some, sometimes we all need a little coping mechanism to kind of reset yeah. a little bit and get a good giggle. And you also have one of the greatest laughs. <laughs> like, dude, when, um, when we were, uh, well, I won't even go into that. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where I've been at a restaurant and I didn't know you, you were, that you were there and I heard you laugh. And I'm like, oh, oh shit. And I love that because... That immediately then brought joy to me because yeah. I heard you laugh, <laughs> and it like little some, something little like that just shifts, you know, where you're at in your day. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I kind of touched on it a little bit, but you know, it always gets me a little emotional when I talk about it. But, um, I think when I was growing up, you kind of had this thought where it's like I'm the only one experiencing this, you know, like mm-hmm. you feel alone. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is only me, like. And it's really, if you think about that kind of thought process, it's really selfish because you're just thinking about yourself. Right. Poor me. Like, I'm going through this. Like, nobody understands this, you know? I know you don't think that at the time, but, like, yeah. still. Yeah, yeah, but it's, you know, and. No one's hurting like this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and I, as I got older, um, you know, I, I, t- I tell this to people all the time. When I was a kid, I hate being Hmong. Because you were the only Hmong kid growing up in freaking central Wisconsin, you know? And, 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 and also, like, we grew up out east, so we were, you know, living out in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. So you're with a bunch of Amish, you know, white people out there mm-hmm. and, you know, Pennsylvania and Dutch. And they're, they're cool, but it's just like, they're like, what are you? And I'm like, we're Hmong. And they're like, oh, you're Mongolian? Just so you know, I resemble that statement because I went to grade school three blocks from here yeah. at Holy Cross. Yeah. And for long stretches, I was the only brown kid there. Yep. And I was like, nope, I'm just like you for, yeah. you know, when I was yeah. ages of like four through 10. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. We came in America when I was five. So right away I was integrated. And I'm like, look, I know the shows you guys are talking about. I speak mm. the same language. Like, uh-huh. you know, my, my, my dad was so adamant to make sure that we didn't speak with an accent because he knew that as mm-hmm. we got older in the job force, they're going to pick the dude without the accent. You could be Gosh. both qualified. My dad was a realist. So he'd be like, you don't have to speak Hmong at home. You know, he's like, go learn. He would take us to the library and goes, read, read, read. He'd make us watch TV. Like, we would watch, like, PBS shows and yeah. grew up. I grew up learning English by watching MacGyver, Walker, Texas Ranger, and all the Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. Hard yeah. tar- I should not be watching Hard Target when That's I was, like, 10. Awesome. You know, and Bloodsport. Not great I thought you were going P- to say PBS because when I was a kid, my parents didn't speak English, so yeah. I learned you know, I, I was born here, but then I learned English from the neighbors and from PBS. Yeah. Look, I'm the kid who watched Delta Force with Chuck Norris on it. Yeah. Delta Force 1, 2, and 3. I'm also the kid who yeah. watched 
you know, every MacGyver show with my grandmother, you know? So I knew, my, Grandma can't, doesn't understand English, but he, she knew what was going on in Walker, Texas Ranger. She goes, that's the bad guy. I'm like, Grandma, no, uh-uh. And I watch it and I goes, Grandma, that was the bad guy. That's how you know it's good writing. Yeah. Yeah. Like when my mom yeah. hates the bad guy in wrestling, I'm yeah. like, they're doing it right. Yep. She's like, yes. I, I hate that motherfucker. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and... And so I was that kid, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I, I know I, 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 I might not look like you guys, but I know all the pop culture context, you yeah. know? Uh, and, 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 you know, I was, so I just thought I was just all alone. And I think as I got older, I, I ran so far, I tell people, I ran so far away from trying to be Hmong that I actually just ran in a circle to back. And when I did, mm. I sat down the, by the foot of my mom and dad and I listened to their story. And you heard the struggles, you know, you heard the, the things that my mom had to do as a young girl who had kids and she became a widow uh, and the things that the sacrifices she had to make and the decisions that a 15 year old girl should never have to do for her three kids. She did to make sure that her kids survived. Uh, my, my dad told me many stories about how he would say, you know, we grew up in a Christian household. And so he would always say, you know, if God wasn't watching over me, yeah, like you wouldn't have a father. And he would tell me all these war stories that he's like, I should not have made that out, made it out alive. And, you know, and, and I think about the struggles, I think about the things that they've gone through. And I think it, if you would have asked me this question probably like six months ago, I'd be like, I don't know, like I just think about how food makes people happy and blah, blah, blah. But what really changed me was when we got the nom for the James Beard. So, so the thing with my parents is they don't speak English. So all these title stuff, they don't really get. You know, yeah. which is kind of really humbling, right? Yeah, I know, like MSP Mag named me like Chef of the Year in 2019 or whatever, yeah. and I brought the magazine home. Show my mom. She goes, "Oh, it's only on one page. Why?" <laughs> I'm like, "Fudge, mom." That's also like peak mom. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. And, 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 and she's like, "Oh, cool." And she took the magazine. And she has it in the little storage somewhere downstairs. And she goes, "Well, take the garbage out when you leave, honey." And I'm like, "Okay, never mind." You know, because she's like, "Wait, wait, why are you the only chef on here?" And I'm like. Oh, because this shit was the best, mom. You know, like, you know, and it's, but it's a mom thing. I don't know how, you know, if that's how in your culture, Charles, but like, it's it's a mom thing. Everything you're saying, there's a parallel. Yeah, right. Same thing, like anything, even intentionally, like anything I did great, it was like, all right, well, you can improve over there, though. Yeah, yeah. And and so, but (laughs) after we got the beard, um, we got nominated for the beard. Um, my mom gave me a call. She's like, look, I, I'm really happy for you. And I'm like, oh. so my, my older sister's a therapist, right? So she always like ends up listening to all the siblings' problems. And so I, mean, I called her right away after and I was like crying. I'm like, and I was talking to her and I'm like, isn't it crazy how the food that mom and dad made us growing up, that mom and dad never thought that it would mean amount to anything. The country is saying that's one of the best food in the country. And I said it to my sister, and I'm like, that's so freaking amazing. Yes. Like, this has nothing to do with me. Like, I'm a conduit. Like, that's all it is. I'm a mere conduit, you know, but to really what it's about, it's them. It's their legacy. And so I was, you know, you're my a part sister. of the legacy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say that. But also, yeah. you're not just a conduit. You're like the next tier, you know? Like oh, thanks, man. Appreciate but, it. But even looking, even if you want to look at it as a conduit, think about how rare that is and how many people choose not to. They mm-hmm. choose to be a stoppage and mm-hmm. they, they cut that off because they don't yeah. want to deal with anything or they don't want to think about anything or they don't mm-hmm. want to work with the past. Like the fact that you're letting it flow through you and then helping shape something new, mm-hmm. like that is a, an incredibly beautiful and an incredibly rare thing. Mm-hmm. And even seeing how important it is and mm-hmm. then like becoming the, the resonator of the message mm-hmm. of, yeah, of that food. Yeah, so 
I remember talking to my sister about that, and I'm pretty sure she said something to my mom like, hey, this is kind of a big deal. Like, okay. you should probably call him. You know, my sister, you know, like a yeah. therapist. She's just like, I'm trying to help the situation. I get it. Yeah. So my mom calls me, we're talking, and she tells me something that she's never told me before. She said, yeah, I want you to know something. She's like, you know, because, you know, we all, you know, where we, where we grew up, you know, we grew up, in, you know, there were missionaries. We grew up in a Christian household, and so she said, uh, my mom's like, yeah, I wasn't going to tell you this until probably my deathbed, but I really need you to know. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Yeah. So I'm like driving home and I'm like parked in my, my garage area. And I'm like, okay, man, she's just like, listen. And she's like, <laughs> when I was a little girl, it was really tough. She's like, we, we were, we were caught. We were put in camps. Uh, we were threatened our lives. Like my, my, you know, uh, she, her first husband passed. He got killed in the war. And he's like, I had these children that were taken away from me. And she said, I felt so wow. broken that every morning I woke up and I prayed to God that God would let me die out of mercy. I pray and I, I would ask God, just let me die. You know, um, um, it's kind of like in the Hmong language, you know, how we were talking about, you know, in your language, where in the, Charles, in, in the Hmong language, it's like, it's like the way she said it was like very deep. Like, I don't want to live anymore. So it's mercy for me to die. You know, that's kind of what that translates yeah. to. Yeah. And she said, I would pray every morning. And I thought to myself, wow, how bad does life have to be when you pray and you say, mercy is death. Like, yeah. to give me death would be give me mercy. I mean, that's got to be really tough, right? Mental health. Yeah. You want to talk about all that shit? Yeah. Sh- yeah. That's got to be really tough. She said, she goes, and one morning I woke up and I prayed and I said, God, could today be the day that I die? You know, she said to me, and she's like in tears and she's like, and we're on the phone and she's like, uh, and I heard a voice inside of me that says, I'm not going to let you die because I have great plans for your children and you may not know it yet, but your children is going to carry the name, your name is going to, and I have great plans for them, but you don't know it yet. So you're going to have to be strong and live for them. And like, like when I hear that, yeah. like it like changes you, right? right? It's like, what? Like you chose to take pain so that I will have a future. You chose to suffer so that I can have freedom. Um, uh, you know, earlier this year, I got my citizenship. Uh, I got my U.S. citizenship. Yeah. And I had a buddy, and he, he had a, you know, I get what he was saying. He goes, America is so bullshit right now. Why are you, why do you want to be a citizen of America? And, and I didn't tell him this, but I, what I really wanted to say to them, and I actually, that, that kind of gave me the impetus to put this post up. So, mm-hmm. so I'm taking what my mom has said to me, right? And I'm, I come up with this post where, you know, where I'm like, hmm. Uh, you know that scene in Saving Private Ryan at the end? Spoiler alert. You know, Tom Hanks is dying. <laughs> it's been 20 years, dude, yeah. if you haven't seen it. Yeah. That's, that's on you. <laughs> yeah, that's on you guys. But you know what? Like, he's dying, and he looks at Matt Damon, who's Private Ryan, you know, because all his dudes just died to save his life, right? Mm-hmm. And he looks at him. What does he whisper in his ears? He goes, "Earn this, earn this." And then it goes back into, like, it goes into the into the present. And Matt Damon's now is an old man standing over Captain John Miller's grave, and he looks at his wife, and what does he say, "Honey, did I live a good life?" And he looks at his children, and he hugs them, you know. And it's that moment where he thinks, did, "Was it worth it? Did I?" Did I live the life that I was meant to live because it costs other lives? And I often think about my grandfather and I often think about my uncles who never made it out of the war. I also think of my, my mom who suffered and took pain on because she believed that if I do this, there was going to be something greater for my children. And, and I think about that. That's what I think about. Yeah. I think about that when things get hard. When, when, I, when, 
And when we're on our freaking fourth bank, and I'm sitting there, and the banker dude's looking at me and goes, well, well, son, here's the deal, man. Your personal guarantee doesn't mean much because you don't have enough credit behind you. Or when I'm looking there, and, and, and there's a potential investor who goes, well, what do I get out of this deal? You know, and I'm like, F you. I want to be like, F you, dude. Like, whatever. But you humble yourself. You say, okay, let's talk through it. Because for me to grovel is not about my dignity, it's about their sacrifice, right? I don't give a crap about my dignity. I don't give a crap about my honor or whatever. Because like when you know that somebody has lived a life and sacrificed their life for you, that you can have life, it changes the way you think. It changes the way you love people. And for me, it changed the way I cook. So that's what I think about. That's I, amazing. I, I think about that. And I, I think about my mom going, I will suffer another day because there's a future for my children. I will go through pain for another day. I, I think about my mom and my dad when we came to this country. They didn't know an ounce of English. So every time they had to go to the doctor, as kids, we would go along as translators. It is, it is very embarrassing for you to go get a pap smear and your nine-year-old son, 10-year-old son is in with the doctor translating what a pap smear is. That's a very embarrassing, but that's what the life we had. And they took that embarrassment. They took that, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's yeah. just like, you know, 10 year old son shouldn't be in there doing that translating, right? But doing that, knowing that that would yep, give you. Yep, that this is the future. Yeah. And when I got my citizenship, I hold that citizenship on as an honor, going that I am going to live the life that some of these who sacrifice couldn't. I'm going to live the life of the, of the sacrifice that was made for me. So, yeah, frick, yeah. man. I love being an American citizen because it's not about so, me. It's not about like, hey, America, yeah, no. It's about those who did not make it or those who suffered to make it that you get to live and then you get to speak and tell their story. So that's what I mean when I say I'm a conduit. Like, I get to take their story. I, I tell people, like, I, I don't, it's not my story. I, they are the ink and I'm the quill. What is a quill without ink? It's just a feather that gets blown in the wind. Nobody gives a crap about it. But a quill becomes powerful because of the ink behind it. And so they're the ink. And so that's what I think about, man. I, I think about them. I constantly do. Because nothing else matters to me. You know, we have this thing. I have this thing as road to Vini. What is the road to Vini? It's hard. It's, it, it sucks. And I have to sometimes face these people that are going, well, dude, kid, are you ever going to do this? You know, I, I'll, I'll be very honest. I'll say right here. When we got named for the James Beard, there are a few food writers here that are like, well, really? Should you really get this? Like, and I have those mm-hmm. little cutouts of these food writers who wrote sure. this and it's like yeah. well you know he's a very nice guy but you know sean deserves it jorge put in his time but yeah like yeah he's a nice kid but maybe we have to wait till vini to see really if he has potential and i took those i printed out my girlfriend and and a lot of my uh, a lot of the chefs like they're like dude why do you do that I, I put it and it's in my office right on my desk right on my computer and i read it every day to realize to, to remind myself you're not doing it for them they can say whatever they want that's the critic but you got to remember who your shoreline, what your shoreline is. You got to remember who your lighthouse is. When you're out there and the storm is tough, I look back and I see them and I'm like, yep, this is it. I don't care about anything else. This is it. You know, and that's why I think, you know, when I go visit them, where I see, they live in Hugo, you know, they don't live far from, when I go visit them, when I see them, it's like talking to them. It's just like, it's treasure. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's to me, honestly, guys, it's, it's my redemption story. It's like going back and all those moments that in, in, in middle school and high school that I was embarrassed of them and I didn't talk about them. 
Now I get to talk about them all the time. And that's all I do. Like, like I said, when I was seven years old, I go to bed and I pray to God and I say, God, can you make me a white kid named William? That's what I wanted to be. Yeah. A white kid named William. Because my friend's name was William and it was really pr- easy to pronounce because yeah, everyone thought it was funny. So I got made fun of as a kid. But now, literally fast, you know, 70 years old, I was like this. Fast forward later, 30 years from now, I'm in bed and I'm praying to God. And he goes, give me an opportunity tomorrow because I want to talk about them. I want to tell them who I am. I want to tell the world who I am and how and whoever I am is a reflection of them, you know? Fuck so that's what sense. I think about, you know? I mean, you know, I don't know. That's like a long answer, but sorry. No, that, what, why would you apologize? I don't for know. That? I just that's, feel like that's a long uh, answer. That's that amazing. beautifully detailed. And yeah, I, I also love seeing the journey of you connecting with your culture because that, man, that could be a podcast. And even just guests that we've had on this program, being able to relate to them on that level because. I had shame when I was a child. Yeah, about, man. You know, I didn't want to be Lebanese. I just wanted to be an American. Yeah. I just want to be American. And then, you know, when I visited Lebanon for the first time yep. when I was 13, I was like, no, fuck that. I'm Lebanese. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Everyone's got a different turning point, but those stories are like very yeah. heartening and so important and uh, formative and like... When, I mean, when you stopped wanting to be William, that's probably, yeah. that, that was day one of uh, yeah. V9 for like you to finally mm-hmm. go on that pathway to, to mm-hmm. telling that story about your life because you weren't going to tell that story when you wanted to be William. Yeah. You know what I mean? You were only going to tell that story when you were like, I am Mia. I'm going to tell, I'm going to start yeah. figuring out who I want to be as a person. And then that's, that's who you became mm-hmm. as a person who's going to be telling that story to the world. Mm-hmm. So that's fucking incredible. Now, Charles, you got to, you got to top that. Uh, no, what? I mean I'm gonna side, I'm gonna sidestep yeah. because I'm yeah the, I'm gonna approach this from sort of the the more um, like just uh, uh, I guess it's not gonna be like a really remedial approach. I'm not gonna say like every time I'm sad I watch Forty Year Old Virgin because yeah. sometimes oh. that can be true as well. <laughs> what I am gonna say, and this is maybe is a little reductive, uh, and I've an- I've used this answer to dif- different questions before, but man, the last two years have not been very easy for anyone on any level. Yeah. Like no one's really, you know, you can, you can probably count on one hand the people who've had a great time these last couple of years. And, you know, um, one of them is the elongated muskrat and it's because he's <laughs> become so wealthy over this time. But uh, for, for my own personal experience in these last couple of years, uh, I've had the uh, good fortune of being able to um, have something that on a routine basis keeps me uh, amused, happy, um, uh, looking forward to uh, experiences outside of, you know, applying my craft and how difficult work has been and, like, the the stress on my family with a disabled brother who, mm-hmm. like, we've been desperately trying to keep COVID away from. And, and that's been this production because the entire format of this podcast is... Um, drinking, conversing, it's lighthearted, it can be emotional, but having this production available to us on a weekly basis where no matter what's been going on in the outside world, we're able to uh, subjugate ourselves to often this space, especially in, in the lockdown in this cavernous hall where we can meet with somebody in, in a relatively safe fashion and be able to actually uh, pretend that the hurricane outside these windows and doors uh, isn't as treacherous as it yeah. actually is. And just being able to sit at the table with people like you, yeah, and like yeah. have 
a couple beverages and uh, a handful of laughs and maybe a tear or two roll down our cheeks and to just have that reprieve. Mm -hmm. We've been very, very lucky for that. Uh, I consider it a privilege, even though it's something we built. I don't look at it as like, well, we deserve this. It's been something that uh, if you're talking about today and recent history, it's something that brings me joy. Um, It's bringing me joy tonight and it's brought me joy since July of 2020. And it's crazy to think that this thing has only lived during the pandemic, but many people have, have productions, businesses, and, and pursuits that have only existed in this time. It's crazy to think how many of those exist. Yeah. So yeah. many of those exist. You know precisely what that's like, of course. Like that's yeah. Just, yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, when you feel like, God, I don't think we have anything else left. And it's like, well, maybe there's still a little something here, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Squeeze up loud. Yeah. Ugh. I, uh, well... All right. Well, I can't say that now. <laughs> I always do. I, Were I you feel going to? I think it was Did one I of the snipe things. You this again? Kind of getting good at sniping. Ben's like what he said. I'm well, getting no, really like, good at sniping. There, there is very much a, like a, a Jimmy V thing that I, I love about this. Like m- one of my top five favorite speeches of all time, mm-hmm. as somebody who went to college to be a speechwriter, was his uh, his final speech that he gave when he. It's a beautiful thing. Google it. You'll figure it out. But uh, his, his three tenets were a, a, a beautiful day is when you can learn something, when you can laugh, and when you can cry. Hmm. And we, this show has brought a lo- all of those things for me. Hmm. Uh, so if I can't see that, then uh, I'm gonna t- I guess I'll go in a more lighthearted direction because I, more people have started pointing out that I have a lot of these that I didn't I, – I don't ever think about it. Uh-huh. I, I, I have a lot of long pranks. I have, like, a lot of them that I just decide one day that I'm going to start kind of fucking with something or someone, and then it yeah. just keeps going. The banana and spoon. Yeah, the banana and spoon is a classic oh, one. Okay. We, I, Yeah, I started when Zoom calls, when everything had mm-hmm. to be on Zoom, I just started eating a banana with a spoon one day, and then I, start, I kept it going when we went back to the office, yeah. and no one says anything. Like, I'll literally walk around with a partially peeled banana, and, like, I'm digging the spoon <laughs> all the way down in there, and I'll walk by people's cubicles and shit. Um, I started leaving a single quarter on this. <laughs> I'm not going to say who it is. I started leaving a single quarter on uh, a certain human that I know's uh, car window. And I love that he, he, I've heard him bring it up at bars before. <laughs> that like literally once or twice a week, there's just a quarter on his driver's side window. And I think I can say this because he's not much for, for podcasts. So I'd be blown away if he said that. And it's just like whenever I have a quarter in my pocket, I know what his car looks like. I drive past it on a regular basis. I love just leaving it. Little shit like that. Rarely does anybody ever find out that Mm -hmm. I'm doing that for any reason. Uh, The one recently that was pointed out is for four years, I've been checking into hotels under completely different names. Like at the hotel, I'll tell them, hey, can you just change the reservation, by the way? So uh, if somebody calls and they're asking for fill in the blank, let's go with that. Uh, I didn't, it's just something that I do. I, f- I find a little bit of entertainment in or watching some of the names. Uh, Jimmy Changa, uh, <laughs> Billy Vanilli, um, Heaven and Devin Costner. It's, it's always some weird like play okay, on mix. that. Uh, Thomas Bomas, um, Veronica L. Shoemaker. Like the, it's, but it's because wh- it's watching people try and figure out why I would be changing my reservation to a mm-hmm. different name. And then am I somebody that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that they should be wondering yeah, about? Yeah. 
And that questioning look is my favorite thing on earth. When I hear somebody on the other side of the bar being like, there was a fucking quarter on my driver's door again today. I love that. I, I fucking love that. And it brings, and I'll catch myself, like, it's usually when I'm not doing super well up top yeah. mentally where I'll come up with the next thing. Yeah. And it gives me something, it will, a little bit, but it also yeah. gives my brain something else to kind of obsess on where I start figuring out, like, how far can I run with this and how much can I do? And it's never mean. There's nothing, there's never yeah. anything, like, like ill-spirited about it. Yeah. But it's literally a, a coping mechanism that I didn't realize I was doing that brings me so much fucking joy. Yeah. Like just sneaking, changing something a little bit, doing something weird, like whatever it may be, that's it. It's just, it's just a thing. And I think it's just, it's funny how easy it is to trick our brains when I, I feel like sometimes I'm a slave to what's going on up mm -hmm. here. All it takes is one small change, and then mm. I start focusing on something else, and then it just keeps going. So I just find whatever dumb thing it is that will make me giggle, and then I keep going, and it, it makes me... That <laughs> makes me think of when I make up absolutely absurd song lyrics to uh, radio commercials. Yes. And then I'm just, like, dying laughing in my car. And people who see me are probably like, there is something very wrong with this individual. <laughs> <laughs> like humoring yourself that's yeah if you can do that if you can make yourself laugh that's that's a good skill to have make uh, yourself crack up yeah uh <laughs> i i used to when i was younger i used to we i haven't i haven't played this game in a while but we used to just m make up a story and if somebody asked like if you ran into somebody at a bar and they asked what you do you just had to lie yeah i still do that every now and then i'll randomly meet somebody and i'll just come up with an entire career and i'll just riff on it for a while and it's nobody i'll ever see again and oh then God, i haven't done that in many years oh it makes me so happy to do that when we were like 21 i think i've talked about it here i have an entire backstory about how i'm a typographist working on a new font and uh. that my uncle was actually the guy that created helvetica <laughs> and uh the new He's one made that his riches <laughs> Like, it, I, I could go on for 20 minutes about it, and no one ever finds out that that's not true. They're just like, oh, I met yeah. this dude, and he was, like, super into fonts, and his uncle made we Helvetica. Did at, we did that in college. Uh, you know, like, fonts. a lot of times I get mistaken for Samoan or Hawaiian. <laughs> uh, you know, because, okay. like, Hmong people aren't big, you know, uh, so in college... Yeah. Uh, there was this. So you said you play football for Utah or something? Uh, UW Lacrosse. I played football for a couple a couple years, okay. and like you know, like so in high school, you know, I, high school I played football and the powerlifting and I'm all. Saying them thinking you're a Pacific Islander, you could say you play for Utah or BYU. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, Oregon <laughs> State or Oregon, you know, yeah, dude. yeah any yeah. any of those coastal USC. Teams. Yeah, yeah, any yeah. of the coastal <laughs> team. Uh, but in college, you know, it, they I think there was this. We were in this dorm, and the dorm was three levels, and the middle level was dudes. So it was like you were outnumbered two to one with these women, but we were too dumb as freshmen to actually be like, what do I do with this bird? <laughs> you know? And, um, and I remember there was a girl who came up and my buddy, he thought it was hilarious. So she goes, Hey, where are you guys from? And he's like, Oh, I'm from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. And she goes, she looks at me and goes, Oh, where are you from? And he, without a beat, he jumps in and he goes, Hawaii. <laughs> and she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, let's go with it. Let's go. With it. I'm like, yeah. And I remember he goes, he goes, yeah. Um, uh, his dad's the chief of the tribe. And then she goes, <laughs> whoa, are you like 
a prince? <laughs> like, uh, like Hawaii is a state of, you know, I mean, this is publication. Uh, this is public education at its best, right? Yeah. She's like, oh my gosh, you're a prince. He goes, yeah. This is like, I didn't say anything. He's my buddy's, like, Jay, just my buddy's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, his dad's the chief of the tribe and you know, like he's here, <laughs> but you can't tell anyone. She's like, oh, seriously? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, well, why are you here? And I'm like, well, we, I have some relatives around here, but, you know, I wanted to get away from the island and come into the States. And she's like, oh, man, that's all right. She's like, the mainland. And she's like, oh, my gosh, like, this is so awesome. She's like, like, what, like, so how do you, like, do you fly back a lot? And I'm like, well, we're on the holidays, but then, um, you know, since my dad is the chief of the tribe, he's got, like, a really cool deal. Like, we got a really good, like, you know, royal, royal royalty deal like king kind of deal with uh with the airlines and she's like oh my gosh do you think i can kill him like yeah like thanksgiving christmas whatever like we got a pretty good deal you know my dad's the chief and everything of the tribe, <laughs> the of the tribe so like right? so fast forward like three weeks like we totally forgot we told her this right yeah. i forgot we're somewhere some get together and gathering party out there and she's just like oh my gosh like these are my friends and da, da, da. and she heard me say to someone oh yeah i'm from port edwards wisconsin she goes wait i thought you're from hawaii aren't you your dad the chief and we're like I'm like no man like are you kidding me you know that hawaii is part of the united states like they doesn't they don't have a kingdom like like back in the day like captain john cook took over and got killed everyone right you guys and she's like, what? <laughs> so you're not from Hawaii? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. That's all you took from this. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, she's like, so when can I go to Hawaii? And I'm like, well, never mind. You can't give me a good deal on a flight then? Yeah. She's yeah. like, well, what's uh. the whole thing about your dad being a chief? And I'm like, Kansas City Chiefs. I, I don't know. Like, you know? Yeah. Uh, so. Lacrosse is like an extra special place for something oh, know, like that, I too. Know, I know. I was just like, dang it. I don't have to explain to her how <laughs> the United States work. <laughs> But they have bars inside residential houses, so uh. no, it's it's just a friend's drink cabinet. Okay, it's not technically a bar. There you go. Yeah. Then why, why do I have to start a tab? Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> that town is fascinating. To yeah. Me. <laughs> All right, shall we? Fucking a. Uh, also, that brings me joy. Whiskey with friends. Oh. Cheers to that. Mr. Yee, yes. Name one of your favorite things that your mom cooks for you. Is it something you wouldn't cook yourself, or something you've been working on that you feel she does better than you? Uh, yeah. So I would say, uh, in in our in our in our language or native tongue, I guess if you know, it's called fuko, fuko, which literally is, it's a, a, a tapioca and rice uh, flour crepe. That she does, and then you put ground pork inside with like seasoning, and you wrap it up. And oh my god, um, I think that she has the perfect recipe for the perfect texture mm. that she makes, and it's delicious. And I'll I'll down like twenty of those. The best time is to eat it fresh right off um, the pan, which you have about like an eight minute window before like it starts cooling down. You got to throw it in. Chef, you know, Chef Mike helps out. But <laughs> but I ain't mad. Like when I go to their house and there's a plate of it in the fridge, and you just throw it in like sixty seconds, which you know Chef Mike takes about sixty seconds mm. to reheat it. Delicious. And then she makes this like fish sauce, peanut peanut sauce type thing with fish sauce and peppers, and you just kind of sit there and you're like, what am I trying to dip here? And then you just pour it all over, and then you just like start downing it. I mean, it's like. So good. Like, you know, the texture is incredible. You have the porky fattiness inside. I mean, she's got it down to a T. 
And it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, you can try to make it, but it's just like, dude, mama makes it the best. So. He's got it. Dude, yeah. it's, it's so delicious. It. Yeah. And that it's definitely one of those dishes up. that soak up all the adult drinks, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you, do you eat it by hand? You can eat it whatever way. Dealer's so choice. Like dealer's beverage choice. in one hand. Oh, yeah. Dealer's choice. The yeah. It's like oh. a flop. Almost like a... It's like a... I don't know how to explain it, but the crepe itself is like a kind of a mochi texture. Okay. You know? Sure. You know, so it's oh. just... I, I... Like, as you're describing it, yeah. I'm... Picturing whether I had a lot of monk friends in high school. Yep. I went to Columbia Heights. I went to Edison in Columbia Heights, mm-hmm. and I graduated in 2000. I had you probably had it, bro. Yeah. Okay. You probably that, had it. Yeah. Once you said that, like the yeah. mochi texture, I'm like, ooh, okay, that sounds. Yeah. Very so, so hence the name's called fogo. Fo mm-hmm. means noodles. You know, like the faux noodles, and and basically this is how they te- the technique of making faux noodles is basically it's a rice you know uh, rice batter and they pour yeah. it and they steam it then they cut it into the faux shape like noodles sure. like so it's faux from there go means to roll so faux go means like a f- rolled faux so it's like a big it's like circular like noodles or whatever yeah. it's a crepe but the way she does is it's 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 the same technique you would use in you know like making a French crepe. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So which is so interesting because I was explaining to her like this is a French style, you know because like in like Laos, Thailand, Vietnam it's French influence, right? Mm. So basically she's making up the, the technique is making a French crepe but with rice flour and tapioca flour, you know. Yeah. So I was explaining that to her. She's like, huh? What? Is like, it exclusively what? savory? Like it's all. Uh, yeah, it's savory. I like it savory. You know, like some sure. people are like, oh, we could put mushrooms. I'm like. Boom! <laughs> Get out! Yeah. I'm like, I, I no, like, you use pork for a reason because you I like need savory that. crepes too. Like, yeah, that's yeah, I yeah. Love like, that. so I, it's like it's like porky. Like, mm-hmm. so 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 the mix inside is ground pork, um, you know, uh, scallions, ginger, garlic. I don't know. It's just really good. I, I, I usually, I, I usually like. It's almost like a drunken dish where it's like, it's like a long, it's like a long, it's rolled up, so it's like long. So I mm-hmm. usually do like the double fold and then just like, oh my god, you know, like, yes. like do you yes. know what I'm saying? Where it's like, hundred percent. You're supposed to like eat it lightly or whatever. So yeah. I want the most in everything. Yeah. So you're like, bah, bah, bah. keep it coming. Yeah. Keep them yeah. coming, ma. It's it's delicious. <laughs> and she has the perfect set texture for it. So it's just oh, like awesome. uh, she's so good at it. Ooh, I could. It's one of those where you sit around the like around her counter and she, she makes it. You just eat it as it goes. Oh, like, that's, that's the best. The be- that's the Dude, best thing about dope. it. Yeah, you eat it as there. it go. Like you don't. Oh, we're gonna make you know, like we're gonna make twenty, and then you'll start. It's like, and my mom is always like, "Come on, eat it," and we're like, "Okay." Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the best. That's why it's a great mom food too. Yep. Because mm-hmm. she's cooking them and she's rolling them and she's putting them in your hand and you're part of the you're part of the conveyor line, but the end of the conveyor line is your. Yeah. Stomach. Yeah, so you're like, like imagine uh-huh. like if you're making like Thank like you. mini donuts, yeah, like fresh another? mini donuts, and yeah. it's like boom, yep. go next batch, boom, go. It's like yeah. an old cartoon. Yep, like and you're at the end, like and then you grab it. Absolutely, yeah, it's so good. I love that. Yeah, that's very mom food worthy. Oh my gosh, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. That's also super fucked up because my answer is almost identical. Uh, mom, I love you so much. Okay, so you sniped you. My mom, you can't play fantasy football with either of us because we snipe you. Exactly. Mm. My my mom, uh, she some things that she makes that are staples, she just constantly changes because mm-hmm. she wants to make it more healthy or like. And I get where oh, it's right. coming from, but uh, she's changed the ingredients on our wild rice dressing too many times. 
I, and I have now just carried on the torch of how my grandmother made it. Okay. So I can't, I can't, mom, if, when, yeah. whenever you hear this, I can't give you that one anymore. Yeah. You changed it too much. You used uh-huh. weird turkey bacon and I, no. <laughs> Bringing but, it back to center. <laughs> yeah, but my mother makes my grandmother's Swedish pancakes recipe. Yeah. And I have Ooh. tried so many times to get that down. And part of it is my mom's griddle, which has been around since I think the late 70s or mm-hmm. early 80s. And part of it might be that that griddle is just perfectly seasoned. Mm-hmm. But her texture on those things is so perfect. And it's like, because of the eggs in it, it's so fragile that if you like roll it too quick, it'll yeah. crack along the edge. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's perfect. And uh, it's still like, they still go in the same uh, white and blue porcelain dish that I've been looking at my entire okay. life, and they are they are sweeter. I've done savory stuff with them, but because of the amount of sugar, vanilla, and cardamom that goes yeah. into the batter, it just tastes a little bit off. If yeah. if if you go savory, so what we'll do is a lot of like like describe up, them to me. Yes, <laughs> it'll be like a lot of chopped up fruit, and then either whipped cream or literally just do like is it you do layers? No, you roll them. Oh, so it is like a crepe. Mm-hmm. Okay. 100%. Okay. Uh, they're basically crepes. They're closer to crepes okay. than they are to pancakes, mm. but that's just been since the old country. They've been Swedish pancakes. That's how they go. Just say you like really thin pancakes. <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean them little pancakes? I had like 20 of them the other day. Yeah. Uh, like a crepes you that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, it's, it's such like that smell. Yeah. Reminds me of my grandmother, yep. and it reminds me of holidays when I was living at home. Mm-hmm. Like when I would wake up in the morning and I would smell that, that meant like good things were going to happen that day. Mm-hmm. We were going to eat a bunch. We were going to have presents. We were going to not have to go anywhere. Like that was the jam. And I have I have tried and failed enough times that I'm just okay with. Until I don't have a source for that, that will be something that just lives at my mom's house. Mm. And I love having those. And the brightness and the the acid of like a really good tart strawberry with like some literally granular sugar or yep. some homemade whipped cream, which actually like what we make is closer to like a Chantilly. Um, that is is wonderful. And I my favorite thing, going back to like mm-hmm. housing it, like folding it in half again yeah. and housing it. Yeah. My, when I was a kid, my favorite thing ever was when a little bit of the whipped cream would just squirt out of your mouth because you had too big of a bite in there. Yeah. Like that was when I, that was when I had an appropriate amount yeah. <laughs> in my mouth. It was yeah, like, absolutely. I can't contain it all. Yep. And that it's, it's a smell. Like when I close my eyes, where that smell takes me is my grandmother's kitchen in Evansville, Minnesota in you know a town of 500 people and mm. she ran the historical society there mm. but that smell was that was when like the best day ever was going to happen mm. and i i still just love that and i don't know part of it might be just that i loved having that coming from these matriarchs that i looked up to so much mm-hmm. and part of it maybe that i'm just inept at figuring out that texture because i also fuck up crepes so clearly yeah. i'm just having a tough time with a thin batter but that that's it. Swedish pancakes are the jammy jam for me. What about you, Charles? It's dope. Something to be said for almost like leaving the responsibility to produce certain things to people that do it so well. Uh, I've had, I guess, this internal battle in my 40 years on this planet where I cook every food except Lebanese food. I use mm-hmm. Lebanese ingredients and flavors, but I don't cook Lebanese food, and it's something that... I want to change because 
my my mother and my aunts are not going to be around forever, so I have to do something about that. But in terms of you know the the cooking of Lebanese food, I leave almost all of that to my mother. And if I have to think about like today, one thing that my mom makes that like I would love to make someday, and it's not terribly complex. But when it comes to Lebanese food, um, yeah, what you said earlier about balance—that's a ma- major thing. But like Mediterranean food, um, freshness is like yeah. integral. You know, even if no matter what you do to it, it's like for this particular dish, like you need really good eggplant, you need fresh eggplant, you need good pine nuts. You need good tomatoes. You need good parsley, uh, good lamb. So what this is is um, it's called shakal mashe, and it's in effect it's like a Lebanese eggplant parmesan. Mm, sure. Um, and if you're lactose intolerant, come party because there's no cheese in this motherfucker. But it's uh, layers of um, uh, thin cut, like long cut mm-hmm. eggplant, like the big boys, mm-hmm. the the emoji eggplants. And the girthy fellas. It is fried so that it's like dark. Like they're salted and then put on paper towels to pull the moisture out. And then they're fried hard so that they're dark and like super caramelized and it brings out the sweetness. And then they layer it with toasted pine nuts, which also go into that oil. They get toasted. And then really good ground lamb. And then oh, this like rich yes. tomato sauce that has Lebanese spices in it. And then you just do a bunch of layers of that, and then you just chop a big piece of that out, and then you eat it with fresh flatbread. Ugh. And I've probably mentioned this previously on the program, but when I was a kid, I was allergic to eggplant, but I loved it so much I ate it anyways. I wasn't, like, deathly allergic, but it made the roof of my mouth and my ears itch. Yeah, I, that, I, to, I have that with eggplants, too. Do you now? Or I, you used uh, to? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. like, really jacked my head. Uh, like I can do baba ganoush. Yeah. Okay. You know, or anything yeah. kind of, like, if it's cooked, but, like, eggplants like that or just... It's really messed up in my head where I'm just like, ugh, I don't like eggplants. Oh, you get the you you get the itchiness. Yes, like the, I did okay. when I was a kid. Yeah, so yeah, it's, but uh, now like I don't. Be, I don't know if I do or not, but no, it can. I just it haven't can, eaten it because it went, it's, for me, it went away. Yeah, like, no, uh, you know, it probably it was just like, cause, but I'll take bomba ganoush and I'm fine. I'm like, yes. yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah, so good. Yeah, I'm obsessed with eggplant, and like I ate it even though I was allergic to it. But be, I would have to be cautious. That's bold, like, dude. If it gets worse, then you could like get really ill or let's try choke or something. But it also possibly could fade. Like, fortunately for me, it went away because I loved it so much that I would do it anyways. You're telling me that all the gluten free people just need to work through it? <laughs> the, Is that what you're telling me? No comment. I mean, no. that's how, <laughs> literally, that's, that's how I have a cat. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right? Marnie was allergic to cats when she and I uh, started dating, and look at her now. I, did a, I did a descending um, allergic to cats. Benadryl regimen <laughs> while yeah. just like rubbing the yeah. dander all over mm-hmm. my face, and eventually my body got to like a stalemate with it so that. With like other cats, he's rolling up cat hair, smoking it. (laughs) Very good. She's like shoving in his nose while he sleeps. Like I'm making (laughs) making tinctures, you know. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. It was like a lot of those '80s action movies you used to watch. Yeah, he was doing the splits and like yeah, Van Damme trees and shit with cat hair in his nose. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. No, yeah, that's. I mean, that is my complete answer. Is that that, like today? Because we say you can answer any on any given day, you can answer a question in a very different way. But man, that's like. Very simple. I could, yeah. could I make that dish? For sure. Of course I could. But like, there's also that element of, in a lot of foreign cultures, and this may be true of Hmong food as well, where, and we talked about this in a recent episode, if you ask an old Lebanese lady, hey, uh, how much uh, bulgur mm-hmm. wheat do you put in tabbouleh? 
they grab a handful, they look you in the eyes, and they go, huh? And they whip it into the bowl. And you're like, what? how much was that? How many grams was that? That was 30 grams? I couldn't see how much was in your fist. This is because it's feel. Like, they, yeah. just, they make the food. And eventually, I need to do some hardcore study. Like, go to Lebanon. You know, my Aunt Jacqueline, who has her, her restaurant, Dewey Albez there. She's not getting any younger, but she's still working and cooking in that kitchen. And, you know, I went, I would do prep in her kitchen for her when I like stayed with her just to show gratitude. But now I need to go back and like really watch her. Yeah. Like, I would love to do that because she's an incredible cook. So like legit just stage. really watch yeah. her and then just go home and knowing flavor and understanding it, just like repetition and hope I can like figure so, it out on my own. So let me ask you a question then, Charles. Yeah. You know, this is what I struggle with is why do you need to recreate it? So I can have it. Mm. Just so I can have it. I So my mom makes this Mama Bang's hot sauce, right? Mm. I've never asked her what's in it. I never asked her how to make it. Yeah. People go, well, why not? I'm like, well, that's her legacy. Sure. So then when we have the, if she passes away and we have the, because every year they make 75 gallons for us. Mm-hmm. They're wow. getting ready for this year. Usually around the end of September, they buy up all the pep- peppers from all their friends. and they Medbury do sauce is the reason I pre- wanted to present this topic to you. Yeah. yeah. So I, I honestly don't know how to make it. I don't want to. Because I literally want it to be that we get the last eight ounce jar. You know, Lord, you know, like Lord willing, if, you know, whatever, she passes away or whatever, it's our last eight ounce jar. And then the last moment that we have it, it's gone and it becomes a memory. It becomes, and, you know, the the Hmong word is danning, which means a myth, a legacy. Mm. And then we just talk about it. So if I can um, respond to you properly, I'll never be able to, because of how, like, the, the like microcosmic changes in yeah. like a tabbouleh. Yeah. I want to make tabbouleh like my mom, but I'll never yeah. make it exactly like my yeah. mom, you know? But like millions of people make tabbouleh. So yeah. I want to make tabbouleh close to yeah. like, well, or my aunts, or yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah, have yeah, to yeah. be exactly like my mom, but I should know how to make tabbouleh. I think that there are certain things you know? that my mom makes. I'm like, it's okay. Yeah. Like, it's okay. Uh-huh. Like, because right. like, I, I think that the legend of it becomes what it is once it's gone. Sure. You know, I, I don't know. Like, maybe that's just the way I think about it. No, no. But, like, you know, even because, you know, like, we have our, you know, retail line with the co-ops right now. Mm. And they're like, oh, why don't you put your mom's hot sauce? And I'm like, no, I don't want to. Yeah. Because I want it to be gone. You know, I, I want it. Mm-hmm. Once it's gone, then there it becomes more valuable when something is gone. Because... I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like life, right? Mortality is actually what makes life beautiful for us. You know, because once it's gone, you don't if get you it back. If you live forever, sure. how could you find yeah, it? Yeah, it gets boring, forever. right? You know, yeah. you know? and so, um, but I, I don't know. So, so it's, I, I think about stuff like that. There are yeah. certain things where people are like, oh, like, did you learn this? Are you getting learning that? I'm like, no, man, mm. that's hers, you know? Sure. And to the point that either when she gets too tired and says, I'm too old to make it, great, awesome. You had your, you know, you did your thing, great. We'll keep talking about it, you know? But I don't know, like, I yeah, I guess, like, I think that, that it's well. a very Western mentality where it's like, how do we preserve it, keep it forever here, repeat oh, sure. it over and over and over and over and yeah. over. And I prefer to be like, no, I'm cool with it. And for me, it's definitely not like a reproductive method. No, 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 no not, not at all. I'm just know. asking. And I like guess. even learning to make tabbouleh from anyone who makes a tabbouleh that I mm-hmm. love. So it's like, it could be my aunts. It could be, and the same yep. thing, like my aunts make things that I like more than my mom's. And I'm a very honest person. I'll tell my mom, like... Uh, there's this dish that is made with cooked lima beans called fool. Mm-hmm. Um, and they make like basically a chili out of it. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate fool. I hate it. Mm-hmm. But when my aunt Jacqueline makes it, yeah. I crush. And my mom gets upset about it. She's like, how can you eat, you know, Celtic Jacqueline's 
food, but you don't eat my food. And I'm like, because uh, it's way better. Like, it's just, just because I, I love her just, more. It's just totally because I love her more. It's, yeah. Because it's like she's different. nicer to me. It's different. It's like. Because she doesn't, she didn't punish yeah. me. She doesn't yes. ask me if I like hers yes, more. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's funny because it's, you know, just like one odd makes one thing. better sister. That well. But I'll tell my mom, I always tell my mom, like, hey, your mom, your tabbouleh is the best. You make the best of it. Yeah. And she's like, I think that's more points in her book than the fool. Yeah. She's yeah. like, well, people like to bully more, so I guess I win. Yeah. <laughs> there, is a, there is a flip side to that coin, though, because I, I wrestle with that a lot. And, yeah. and part of it is because I grew up an only child with split parents, mm-hmm. and my dad wasn't really around a whole lot, and my mom worked like crazy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as, as I grew, I've also, I have a, a wickedly independent streak. So as I grew, I tried to... I was basically like, well, if I don't, I don't have a family unit, so I just want to get out of here and go as yeah. fast as I can. And unfortunately, like a lot of a lot of the older people that I probably should have spent more time appreciating yeah. are gone now. And so there's a little bit of me now being older and having a little bit more understanding of what everybody was going through at that time. I've started to like make peace with a lot of those relationships, yeah. and part of that also is that because I have so few things from like, I don't have any siblings that I can talk to about that. Like my, my brothers were adopted. They were six. I was 14 and I had already figured out girls and sports. So Mm -hmm. I like, we, we got to know each other more as adults than anything. Mm. So my entire childhood was really just me Mm -hmm. and moving right before high school, nobody had cars. So I also lost a lot of those friendships and you know, there was no social media or anything like that. So I don't have any, I don't have a lot of touchstones to memories where mm-hmm. I can talk with somebody about, do you remember when that happened? And so sometimes those little things yeah. are my few things that I can mm, have yeah, where yeah. it makes me feel like when I, yeah, when I make something for my wife that my grandmother used to make, yeah. that makes me happy. I have my, my grandfather on my dad's side I have his old fashioned glass mm-hmm. uh, and that's the only thing that I have from him. Yeah. And so every now and then when I make a cocktail in that, it like that's, it's just a, it's a connection to Absolutely. something yeah. where I don't have any other way of getting there. Yeah. And so that's part of the reason why some of those things I, I desperately want to mm-hmm. keep with me simply because without that, there isn't a connection past mm-hmm. that. Like I don't have anybody. I can, she never got, my wife never got to meet any of those people. Yeah. Like, so mm-hmm having a little thing where I can serve that to my wife and say, this is, this is something that I used to mm-hmm. eat for my grandmother at her kitchen table. Cool. That's like, that's it. Yeah. And I, but I do agree with you that we also want to preserve everything and everything has to be forever. And if it's not forever, then somehow it's not worthy. And that's always going to be a seesaw in my head. About yeah, like, no, no. Which I, side I, of that am I trying to figure out? You know? Yeah, and if I, I struggle. I, I struggle with that because people are like, you can sell this stuff. I'm like, that's not, that's not the point, yes. man. So, like, that for me is that more, it's, I guess it's more of like a quote-unquote corporate level where they're like, well, figure yes. out what's in it and yeah. sell it. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's replicate it and give it to the masses. Yeah, that's, that's what more, I guess, more I... And so much yeah. of what you love about it is that your mother makes it. Yeah, like hands on. Like, that, and that's That's an way. ingredient. Yeah, and that's their way of saying we want to stay involved. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's... That's rad. I just, oh, yeah, I, I think that's wonderful. That. And, and everything, and everything is temporary. And on top yeah, of it, that sauce temporary. bangs, yeah, like, dude. What is like that sauce is so good. <laughs> no, but I mean, even if I make, like, even if I make the tabbouleh the same way my mom does, and I nail it, yeah. in thirty years, I guarantee it'll be a little different, right? Yeah. I'm not gonna, unless I measure to the, 
a tenth of a gram and I'm doing mm-hmm. it that way. And that's not the way you make Lebanese food. But if I make Absolutely. it the way she makes it and I make it the way it tastes and then I taste it that way until she's gone and then I feel like I'm making it exactly the way she does, in 30 years I might think it still tastes exactly the same. Bullshit, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's going to be a little different. Mm-hmm. And like the lemons I use are going to taste different and, you know, the parsley mm-hmm. is going to taste different and the bulgur yeah. weed's going to... It's just... Everything's temporary. But like, you know, memory is important too because mm-hmm. you might make a version of it or like your own version mm-hmm. of that sauce mm-hmm. and then... Mm-hmm. It'll become yours, and then you know maybe you pass that down someday. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a, 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 a Pakistani restaurant uh, right off of Karl Johanskata in Oslo. I've talked about it before on the show, um, and it was my introduction to gyro, and it was my introduction to falafel. I had never had that before, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to know the owner like as soon as I walked in. He would greet me, come around, we give each other a hug. It was amazing. And I got home and I was like, where do I even find these flavors? How do I do it? And so over years, yeah. I reconstructed this entire meal that I used to get there right down to the sauce. And when I brought my wife to Norway for the first time, uh, we walked in and I was so thrilled to find out that not only did they still own it, but it was his son that was oh, now man. running it. Yeah. And uh, I told his son like the story yeah. and he was floored. And he, he's like, oh, my God, I got, I got it. Let me make it for you. Da, da, da. And he hits me up. And I'm looking at him like, this is the same fucking me. I'm so yeah. excited. I sat down. And I took a bite. And I was like, I wasn't even close. Yeah, okay. I wasn't even fucking close. But <laughs> <laughs> it looked the same. Well, you made it was good. Yeah, it was, it was great. And that was good enough for it me. It was an ode. It was an ode. It was, it was, it was, this is not the greatest song in the world. This is yeah. just a tribute. It's a cover. It's a it's cover. A cover. Back <laughs> off. Yeah, exactly. But I couldn't stop laughing. And Jenny was like, what is going on? And I'm like, no, sorry, I'm not even I'm not even in the same ballpark. <laughs> right. But it was I'm still, happy and sad. I'm happy and yeah. sad. <laughs> and 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 that was it for me. It's like, hey, you know what it was? It was that relationship and how much I loved that family, yeah. that stays right there. Yep. And when I go back, I can see them and that's great. If someday they sell and it doesn't work anymore, then that's yeah. a memory that I'll hold. But it where my journey went with that food was a different thing. And that, <laughs> yeah. that got me working on, like I started learning about cuisines, yeah. like basically across that entire Mediterranean side of things. And that to me is, is more of what it was for me. Like yeah. that's what I love is that yeah. that got me open to a whole new thing. And then I started learning things. I started cooking stuff and mm-hmm. it goes from there. So I did not make the greatest food in the world. I just made a tribute. <laughs> <laughs> It's like when your kid to comes the home with like food a in the world yeah. It's like when your kid comes home with like a macaroni, uh, like you know, like a little like art project. Goes, Mom, uh, I made this for you. Oh yeah, so good, buddy. Great, perfect. <laughs> there you wow. go. Oh man, that was you it. better get you know better be an engineer or something because the art thing ain't gonna work for you. Yeah. <laughs> My mom would have said, "Why do you waste that food?" <laughs> yeah. Can you eat that? <laughs> then why the hell did you do that, kid? <laughs> I don't know, Bob. The teachers told me. Well, <laughs> white people. <laughs> Why are you putting food on glue on a paper? Exactly. You have markers? We have so much food, we glue it to Yeah, paper we glue it to make art. projects <laughs> out of it. Yeah. Huh. Oh, my God. All right, well, as, as we're pulling this one into the end, we went through a ton of amazing things that you're doing yeah. at the top half of this. Yeah. The one thing we didn't talk about but alluded to was uh, what is coming up on TV very soon. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure, man. Um, June, I don't know when this comes out, but June 15th. Yep. It drops uh, Iron Chef on Netflix. How, I, I, I know you can't talk about. Yeah, if you're listening to this episode live, it will be, we're, this is releasing this Friday. So um, if you're listening to this episode, when it drops, it's about to come out. Yeah. 
I mean, that had to just be a wild experience. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Um, so Gavin Kaysen is actually, you know, who – Spavo, Demi, Mara, Bellacor. He uh, called me. He texted me. He's like, <laughs> I used to work at Spoon. So he's like, he texted me. He's like, uh, hey, yeah. Um, are you free to talk? And I'm like, we chef. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. I'm like, uh, we chef. <laughs> like right away. I'm like, I will clear my schedule. What do you need? <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's like, hey, man. Like, I just like, I just want to tell you, I'm, uh, you know, one of the executive producers of. Uh, Iron Chef, there's a, it was probably almost like a year, a little bit over, almost a year and a half ago. I said, Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So the, the, the filming yeah, actually happened while. last, like Memorial Day last year. Wow. Oh, really? So, yeah. Oh, so nobody, wow. like, nobody realized that. Like, everyone's like, Wow, that's cool. Like, are you going? Like, like, good luck. Like, give them hell. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. It's already done. Like those <laughs> 80s movies you watch, you just, you dropped out and fucking yeah, like best of the best. To get <laughs> best of the best. Come on, can, can we just say that we know what we're talking about? Yeah, best of the best. Go fight, you know. Go fight, yeah. you know, the Korea. Yeah, yeah, Taekwondo. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, Billy, uh, <laughs> dude. There's only a few people who understands that reference, oh, man. Dude. Best of the best. Uh, I'm picturing you kicking against Tong Po instead yeah. of drumming. Oh, that's words. a kickboxer, man. Yeah. Tong Po. No, yeah, yeah. John Claude Van Damme goes back to fight Tong Po. We're mixing you know? it up. Oh. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, he's like, "Hey, take a call." There's a there's, there's <laughs> tomorrow. He's like, he's like tomorrow. Uh, there's uh, these two producers. One of them is the showrunner for the original Iron Chef. The other one's a producer for Netflix, and they're going to call you. Take the call if you want, but take the call. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, but take and, the call. Lean and hard. Gavin, <laughs> Gavin was very clear. He goes, this isn't an audition. This isn't an interview. You're in. Nice. Like, I, we, we want to see you there. Yeah. I'm like, no, we, chef. <laughs> um, took the call. It was really cool. Uh, and then I had, like, a little, like, procedural interview you know and that was really fun and uh, and then right at that time I just signed uh, like a I don't know TV agent media agent and she knew them she's like hey, don't worry I'll take care of it so she like talked it out she figured it out so, like the deal and they were like okay cool and then literally in about six weeks uh, we were on a plane to LA so crazy um, and then you know and then we were there and I just I, I just told myself the whole time well first of all they flew. They flew me first class. I didn't. I've never been first class before. Mm. I was just like, just act like you've been here before. <laughs> I don't know if you guys like ever flown first class. I've done it one time, and it's amazing. Here's the deal. I'm also a one time first class. I never just, knew um, about the Sky Lounge. Apparently, yeah. if you're first class, you can go oh, in there. Yeah. I was so nervous. I chickened out. Because I'm did? like, what? What you didn't go in? I didn't go in because here's the deal. I was like, what you if I should have gotten in and realized that it's super disappointing? Yeah. <laughs> well, so I, I was afraid that if I was gonna go in and they're gonna look at me and goes, dude, are you supposed to be here? And I'm like, mm. no. And then <gasps> walk out. All I had to do was scan my you know, like ticket. That's all it is. But let me tell you, when you're in that first class and you do that 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 uh, TSA line is a lot shorter. Yep. I was like, this is what it's like. And then when you go sit in those seats where they have the length for like, like if your feet was eight feet long, you would still have space right. and everything's <laughs> free. Yep. I didn't have to pay for the headphone. Yep. And, the dude and they next, served alcohol when no one else did for a yes. long time. And that so opening when, cocktail. And, and I, I went Delta too, so it's like first class, first class, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the dude beside me, he's, he looked like he's been a first class many times. So I was just sitting there waiting for his move. And you know how they like serve <laughs> from that window in? Yeah. He's like, can I get da -da 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 and all this food? And they just brought it out. And I was about to like pull out my wallet to like buy it. And I, oh, yeah. I watched him not pull out his wallet. And I'm like, oh. 
Oh, you don't have to pull out your wallet. Here's the thing I've learned. Sitting in first class where I had plenty of leg room, I almost wanted to be like, hey. So when I first, my first flight out there in first class, I was like, why can't I give up a little bit of my leg room for the people in the back? Like, I'm just like, you know, it's like for the people. Let's do this for the people. For the people. Yeah. And I'm getting free food. They're like, sir, would you like anything? And I'm like, and you know how like when you like when they use Mike make me a grilled cheese. (laughs) So you know how like, you know how like when you sit in like coach and they give you like a Coke, it's like all ice and then two drips of Coke. Uh, And you're like, You can't really ask for another one because they're like, you know, but it's so complimentary. But, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? They gave you the can. Yeah. Mm. I got the can, bro. You got bro. refills yeah. at your yes. leisure. When you ask for no ice and they look like, they look at the uh, the cop and they tap their nose. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, this and after I got done with the cook, I was like, do the ginger ale? The guy's lady's like, oh, yes, sir. I was like, what? I can do ginger ale too? And the dude beside ooh, me was like ooh, ooh. taking bourbon down. He's getting a rum and coke. And I'm like, what? Take advantage of this flight isn't very yeah. long. Go, 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 so, go, go, go. <laughs> so when I was flying there, that's how I was living, right? I was flying back. I think I got a little bit too much. So when people were walking back, I'm like, don't look at me. I was just like, keep walking. I loaded first. It was like, it was like military guys, pregnant mothers, and then me. I'm like, yes. You know, I'm like, I almost felt like a Navy SEAL. Like, yes, I serve my country because I'm first class type. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So I'm sitting there, and then uh, Mike and um, Mike and Marshall were like their coach, you know, because they were my sushi. They walked by, and I didn't even look at them. I kind of put, I'm like, I don't know you, you know. Uh, they sent out cars for us. Like, you land there, and it's blacked out it's SUV. you're a Hawaiian prince, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I'm a Hawaiian don't prince. Know about the my, my father, you know, talked to people. The chief, yes. And, I get there, right? When we get there, we land. I've never, okay, this, I've never lived this life before. There's a dude in a suit and tie with the driving gloves, and he has a, like, he has a board that says Vang on it. And I'm like, I guess that's me. And he goes, sir, I'll take your bags. And I'm like, no, nah, man, I got it. Cause I'm, you know, Wisconsin boy. I'm like, I'll take my own bag. She's like, sir, please let me take your bag. I'm like, no, nah, dude, I got it. He's sir, got a whole cart and goes, no, sir, let me take your bag. I'm like, okay. It felt weird walking through baggage claim without carrying anything. And he was pushing everything. I got into the Escalade, all the room, all the air conditioning's going. There's water bottles everywhere. I'm like, is this what the Kardashians feel like every day? I didn't know. They put us at the Marriott, which is right across, like literally right by Staples Center. They put me in this suite where I'm like, this is way too big for me. There's so much space. I'm like, I laid on the couch for 30 minutes. I took it up. into the leg room. Yeah. And then I go in the shower. The shower is bigger than most yeah, apartments I've exactly. ever had. It's like freaking waterfall shower. Oh, you got to find sp- that girl's number. You are the Hawaiian prince. Yeah. And and <laughs> like the sprayer comes from the side too. Oh, so I love you those. Right. Ooh, I had that in Puerto Rico. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm never and leaving. And you turn on full blast. You're just like. <laughs> just start to turn. Yes. Just- <laughs> I, I, like I a lather bunch of my people are spraying you. Yes, you lather yourself up with soap and then you spin yes. like a car wash. Yes. Oh, yep. you just put your hands up. Yep. Yes. Like I'm just like I'm just on a rotisserie. Oh man. <laughs> I'm just Gentlemen, looking like Alpha I took over three here. showers and I didn't need to. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. And yes. I was yes. thinking yes. about yes. bringing yes. the yes. chair in there and just <laughs> sitting in there. Yes. I've done it. It's worth it. Oh my gosh. I'm like, is this other one person to live? But it was very fun. Kitchen Stadium was pretty baller. Like it's incredible it's huge um 
Oh, I'm so excited. Is yeah. it like a new kitchen stadium then? Yeah, dude. So from... they use the same technology they used in the Mandalorian, how they did like the background, you know, how they use yeah. all the, like, like the LED, the LED boards. Yeah. Yeah. So that's no more green did. screen. So when you watch the show, you see like the crowd and everybody like all around like a big stadium. Oh, yeah. WWE it's, did that too. Yeah. Like yep. the, it's all. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It's all that. And cool. But it's weird because when you watch the show, all the music's going on. So when you watch the show, you're like, yeah, yeah. It's silent in there. <laughs> Except oh. for the voice of the lady goes, 30 minutes left. Like, I remember when she was like, um, she was like, 45 minutes left. I'm like, what the frack? Like, I was like, what? <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. Um, the, 30, or the, the, the 60 minutes is real. It is 60 minutes, dude. Ooh. And so the way they do Iron Chef is that the first, I think it's the first 15 or the first 20 minute, you have to get the first dish out to the judges. Oh, right. Yeah. Because that was the Iron Chef America thing. Yeah. Was like yeah. And the... so it's like, okay, it's got to be a cold dish. You just got to do a cold dish, whatever the first yeah. dish is. Mm. Um, man, it was, it was awesome. Mark Dukagas is like, I'm a huge so fan. Cool. Yeah, dude. I'm like Me talking too. about the I like I fanboy way too much on him, and I'm like talking Brotherhood about all of the these. wolf, baby. Yes, yes. Brotherhood you, of the Wolf. Right? How do you not love that, bro? Dude? Can I just say Incredible. that I said, "Hey, I loved you in Brotherhood of the Wolves," and he goes, "Oh, really? Did you like you? I didn't know you saw. Like, uh, I didn't know anybody watched." I'm like, uh, "French movie, sir. Uh, Thank you." He he's the nicest dude in the world. Wow. Sammy Wadi um, uh, messaged me when I got back and we announced it, and he mm. said. Hey, well, he's like, you know, welcome to the club or something like that. Cause you know, he was on Iron Chef yeah. America. And I'm like, dude, isn't Mark DeGrasse like the chairman, the most nicest guy ever? And goes, dude, yes. So he goes, Sammy goes, he went up to the audience and just started like saying hi to people. And he goes, he went to my mom and just talked to my mom. That's what Sammy said. He just oh, talked to my mom. Super yeah, gentle guy. That's really cool. I thought one of the most respectful thing that the chairman did was he came up to me right before we sh- started, you know, shooting and stuff. He goes, uh, yeah, can you help me? Um, a pronounce is it mong mong or mong and he like i was like well you can say whatever you want but it's like mong and he's like no i want to say it the way you want me to say it yeah so like he literally just took like five minutes to make sure that he pronounced it the right. nuance of a vowel yeah that's, yeah and i was like that's respect yeah. bro like you know and i i remember and but also in in the in the mong world he's like one of our action heroes He's right up there with like Van Damme, oh, that's right. you know, Chuck Norris, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Stallone, because when Stallone came to Vietnam, you know, to, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, in Rambo, uh, you know, First Blood Part Two, like he's kind of one of our heroes, you know, and, and so Mark Cascas is right up there. Only the strong, come on, yeah, doing capoeira, yeah. you know, uh, fighting all the oh, bad guys, all man, the Brazilian incredible. gangs using capoeira. Yeah. And I like, I, to- I told him all that. I'm like, I love you, and only in the strong. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> Brotherhood of the Wolves, you're awesome. And he's like, what? And he comes over and takes pictures with us and I'm like, you're so cool. Yeah, uh, in one of my old metal bands, I wrote a song called Franz X Reprisal. Ooh. Oh shit. Yeah. True story. Is that recorded anywhere? I do have it in my office. Let me to hear that. Yeah, we can what's, I mean, what's so cool is like he DM'd me the other day. Yeah. He's just like, oh, hey shit. man, he's like, he goes, I was really, you know, really great to meet you. Thank you so much. And I'm like, ah. he's so nice. He's Hawaiian, right? So he always talks about the Aloha life, you know, he's just always yeah. like, you know, he's super chill. Um, it, the dude's almost 60. Like, you know, he was in John Wick 3. He does all his yeah, own stuff. That is, and he killed it, too. That is insane. And he looks, dude, he I did looks, not understand he looks how almost good. 60. He yeah. looks good, man. He looks the same as he did 20 He years looks ago. better than I did at 25. <laughs> well, he, he stands there and goes, ah, Kazine, right? And he does this, yeah, like, he does a right. backflip, roundhouse kick, and then it's like, whoa. And I'm like, oh, that's not a stunt double. Like, that's no, him. That's like, him. I'm standing yeah. right in front of him watching him do this. Dude, he was such a badass at John Wick 3. Holy Yo, yeah. fucking oh, fantastic. At, like, almost 60, yeah. he's doing those moves. And you're like, what? 
And there's no way in John Wick 3 you look at him and think that he's playing a 60-year-old. No. Yeah. He looks like he's playing like a 35-year-old. A 35-year-old assassin, yeah. For real. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, so he's such a cool guy. And, you know, I took a picture with him, and my little nephew was like, you met the guy who fought John Wick? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. it's a character, sure, dude. Yeah. Like, just calm down, yeah. you know? And um, some Hmong friends thought I became friends with him. He goes, oh, how is he? Like, did you guys hang out? And I'm like, no, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's at work. <laughs> he's at work, man. Like, you know, we didn't hang out. But, you know, I think there was a, like, people always, like, it was really cool because we got a lot of great response from the Hmong community because Iron Chef is a huge thing in the Hmong community. So it was a lot of great response. And they kept calling me, oh, you're the first Hmong Iron Chef. And I'm like, no, I competed on Iron Chef. I, right. I, I'm uh, not uh, an Iron yeah, Chef. Yeah, distinction. So I had to explain that. And then I think a lot of people thought, too, like, when we released it, because we had to hold the secret for about a year. Yeah. yeah. So, so when we released it, they were like, oh, my gosh, like, go get them, give them hell. And I'm like, Oh no, it's already done. Can't go back in time. Bro. Yeah, we can. Yeah. You know. Did I see in that clip? Is that Marshall with you too? Yeah, so Marshall and Mike both came. So you, you get to bring two sous chefs with you or whatever. Oh, Chef, chef Mike was there. Yeah. Huh? yeah, so Mike, Mike, and Marshall came, and it was I, so I was, fun. I was making a joke about Mike. Right? What's up? Oh, yeah, Chef Mike. Chef yeah, Mike. Chef Mike. <laughs> um, Mike actually got. Oh, I only have twenty minutes, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Mike actually went to down to Santa Monica. He went to a tattoo parlor and got the like the Iron Chef knives like on his. Dope. Tattooed on his arm, so it's kind of cool. Um, you know, I mean, I hope they show it on the show. But Marshall had this like he's probably gonna be mad at me because I said this, but he had this thing where like he was opening the oil, and you know, like an oil bottle. If you open it while you're holding it, you end up squeezing it, you mm -hmm. know, and it went mm. everywhere. Okay. <laughs> In the midst of it, he's like, oh, oh that's that's going on the show. Yeah. Like, and then I'm walking, and I slipped on it. I'm like, whoa, like what the frick. You know, um, so like you can't pull any, like you, you have a whole pantry, but like it has to be like all the wrappers, everything's there. So it's like, mm -hmm. that's like the slow, smooth, smooth, fast. So for example, like if you're trying to open like a noodle bag, I mean, they won't let you like pre-open it or everything. Sure. So you're there, you're like, eh, 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 you know, <laughs> just, that's crazy. And they love that. So every one of us, every single chef, even the chefs that we compete, like the iron chef that we competed in their team. So the, 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 the main chefs had two cameras. You have two cameras hanging on you. There's mm. 27 cameras in the studios, always watching everything. Damn. There's a whole group of people with monitors and they're seeing everything. So if you slip up something, they'll they'll catch it. They know it. They got yeah. it. Yeah, uh, and then I rem and then there's a producer on every camera. So my my camera, I had two cameras on me, and they had two producers, and they're asking you questions. Hey, tell me what you're doing. Walk me through what you're doing. Okay, what are you doing next? What are you doing next? Ah, so they're doing like that feature, but there wasn't. Is there someone with the mic still? Or are they no? Because I'm, I'm mic'd up. Yeah, okay, so there's all not, of us that are element doesn't up. exist anymore. Okay, yeah, yeah all yeah. of us are mic'd up. Yeah, uh, there is Kristen Kirsch, who's uh, um, she's oh, okay. uh, you know you know she's on top. She yeah, top chef, chef. Yep. yeah so yep. she is one so she's on of, the she's floor like the on the floor reporter there you go cool no i'm glad that element still exists because yeah. I, I love yeah. that yeah and then alton brown is like like the announcer guy on top yeah so they're both like co <clears throat> got you know, it uh i will admit that i forgot to like get the rice going but i heard alton brown talk about something with the rice and i'm like oh frick the rice you oh, know yeah. yeah i remember like oh man like rice and marshall and i had a miscommunication like it's a little behind the bts thing we had a miscommunication like i had the rice wash and set up and i put it on the stove and the, the strategy is okay well, i'm gonna put this on the stove but then marshall was working on the side with the stove so he like had to turn it on <laughs> he never turned it on because i'm like i'm like hey chef like water stove like rice go he's like got it and then we just like went on and then i think that we were like i think we were pretty close to like i want to say like we were like 
30 minutes till it was over and i'm like hey did we start the rice or like i'm like hey can we get the you know the rice you know with this one dish we were talking and he goes yeah and i'm like cool uh, and i didn't know this until later on he goes dude i did not start the rice until you told me oh to. you know but like, it worked you know that's awesome the yeah little preview mean, of the entry it was fun and the guest chefs were really fun you know, um, the the guest chef the day before we got there was Danny Trejo. Oh shit! That would have been super fun to have. That would have been amazing. Day. I know he's so mm, like one fun. of the producers. We were talking to him. He goes, "Danny Trejo's the funniest guy ever." Mm-hmm. You know, because he's like, "Yeah, yeah, there's like ramen dish," and he's like, "Oh, we used to make this in prison all the time," you know, and stuff <laughs> like that. But Danny Trejo also has uh, his yes, own brand of beer. Yeah, yeah, that he brought. Do you know where the beer is brewed at? I do not. Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Oh no shit! Yeah, so you know, like Steve, you know, Point Brewery. They, yeah. they, yeah, yeah. Uh, they. Contract brew. Contract, Contract brew, yep. yeah. Oh, okay. Danny Trejo's beer. That's amazing. Because we were looking at the can. Because so we were, after we were done, like, so it's like we, like, there's a whole set of interviews they do. So, like, it was us, and then the Iron Chef did their interview. And then while with that, you just sit. So we, like, got there at 5.30 in the morning, and we filmed till probably almost 8. Wow. Yeah, so it's a long day of filming. Shit. And then um, I remember sitting there, and Marshall's like, um, they, the, the PA comes and goes, hey, you guys need anything? Marshall goes, you guys need beer? And then he's like, yeah, this brings out Danny T- Trejo's lager, and we're like, "What?" Uh, Marshall yeah, he, Paulson, I love you so much. Yeah, and you know what's really cool? Like Marshall was also to do that at the end. Like, they're, I mean, like they have like a liquor cabinet too in kitchen stadium if you need to use liquor. So I don't know how, but somehow, like, you know, a, a bottle of Knob Creek got back into our green room. I'm not gonna say <laughs> who took it. And yeah, and just you know, we like pour little like you know celebratory shots and Hell stuff, yeah. and. I haven't eaten anything all day, so I'm like, I don't know. And I thought that there was like, I thought that it was just, I didn't, I didn't realize there was like Knob Creek, and I thought it was like a mixed drink, but it was just straight up, you know, Knob yeah, Creek. And I, so I took it down right before we left, Creek. and I'm like, oh boy, guys, the room's spinning a little bit, you know. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was so cool. Like, I remember at one point we were like, I'm like, I just need some gum. The PA goes, I got it comes back in and like has got some gum you know it's just like what the frick i'm like uh do you have any m&ms like don't worry i got it and they'll come back and they came in back like a little bag of m&ms for all of us like i'm like what is this life you know <laughs> it's, it's, so it's crazy and i mean I'm, I'm a wisconsin boy right so i'm just telling myself okay like i'm looking at the boys i'm like act like we've been here before makeup makeup and hair comes in like makeup comes in she's like really sweet like the whole time like i'm sweating and so, so during the filming break she like pat me down and then she would like reapply mm. my makeup um but the hair lady comes in she goes oh you're good <laughs> okay. right i'm like yeah <laughs> I'm still getting paid, right? Yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, I'm still getting paid overtime. No, so it's so funny. She walks in, she goes, okay, oh. I'm good. There's like a wardrobe group that comes in. It's like like the pants I had was a little too long. So I'm like, can I get this ham? They're like, I oh, don't worry, we got it. They come the pen, like, they, you know, like perfectly. And Fuck, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like they're really like, I'm like, it was like first class stream. Every time I walked through, like, so from the green room to where the studio, like the kitchen studio was, we were doing intros. And every time I was walking, they would yell, the PA would yell out, um, uh, he would yell, uh, chef on the move, chef on the move, and everybody just stops. Chef on the move, chef on the move. Yeah, it's because like, they want the clearest path and you yeah. get there the quickest. Uh, and so wow. he would walk, and, like, <laughs> and we walk from where the green room was, and he would just yell out, chef on the move, chef on the move, and it doesn't matter who you are, you stop. You know, and I remember like earlier, I had a blister on my toe, and that like, paramedic guy there, he's like, I gotcha. He's like taping on my toe and everything, he's like, you're good. Like, I'm like, what the frick is this life? You know, <laughs> for about 14 hours, I experienced it. 
then came back here and washed yeah, the shoes. Came back and still you know, it was whole, great, man. I, still not a Hawaiian prince. The first thing I said was, if we're doing this, I want to cook Hmong food. Yeah. And so we did yeah. that. Okay, you know, the second dude. thing is just like, it's it's this great opportunity to, to tell our story. Yeah. The interview part was awesome. You know, um, you know, the, the, the one of the producers, you know, he was really sweet. And after we were done the show, I texted him. I'm like, hey, man, I just want to say thank you very much. And he, you know, he texts me and he goes, you know, he goes, I've done over, I produced over a hundred Aaron Chef episodes. And he says, oh, those a hundred, you're one of the favorites ones I've done, you know, That's like amazing. the interview, what you were doing, you know, um, and then, right. and then got a chance to meet some really incredible. When I say, when I say that these chefs that we went against are iron chefs, like they are like, not just like, oh, they're great here in America. Mm. Globally, they're yeah. just juggernauts and Love killers. And it was awesome. Yeah, it was. It's really fun. Oh, I'm so excited you know, we it's <laughs> you know like the poster Netflix put up. It's so funny because like the PR group, like every I would say every know, chase back like two hours or sorry two two three months, they would email us and goes okay like um, Hollywood Reporter is going to come out with this article. Don't say anything about it, and, you know. And they kind of broke it down to like okay, okay like like two six weeks ago. Okay, we're coming out with this uh, with this trailer. We want you to first see it, but you can't say anything about it. And then they're like, okay, here's this media kit. Okay, you can talk about it, but not at this time because it's being sure. released. In the, so like you know like you, you you had to just kind of play their game a little bit, which I get it, you yeah. know, because it's Netflix and. Um, yeah, and then they got it, you know, they were just really great. Uh, my girlfriend's so funny. She's like, she's like, hey, did you see your Iron Chef poster? I'm like, yeah. She goes, yeah, airbrushed it all. I'm like, oh, yeah, I look like 15 years younger on that bad boy. <laughs> like, if you look, if you look at the Iron Chef poster they made of me, I'm like, oh, damn, I don't look that good. <laughs> like, that's airbrushed a little bit there. I got some wrinkles there. I don't Isn't know that where. what it's supposed to be, though? I mean, I that's know. part of the experience. I don't know. It's just like, I looked at it, and I looked at myself. I'm like, oh, you changed, bro. Like, I'm like, I can't believe you got airbrushed. You know, like, I, I understand. Like, you know, there's. It's the way God made me, you know, I'm rough and tough, you know. Be comfortable with who you are, but if anybody wants to to let that shine a little more, hey, I'm good with it, man. Yeah, I know. It's so funny because she makes fun of me now. She goes, oh, you were totally airbrushed. I'm like, yeah, I know, but back off, you know. <laughs> look I'm at, 15 years younger. Look at every other movie poster. It's yeah, yeah, thing. right, right. Like you, You'd think Scarlett Johansson looks like that in real life, yeah, exactly. you know. You'd yeah, think Chris Evan, Captain America really looks yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny. So I just tell people, like, my family, I'm like, it's airbrush, guys. Like I don't, I don't look that young. That skin does not look that young. You know, they know what they're doing. So Will Arnett on our, one of the newest episodes of Smartless was describing uh, bringing his kids to set for the first time, and being like, "Yeah, Daddy's just getting his makeup done," and just like how can just like weird that is because they've never seen him do makeup. And then uh, people are just like blasting with brushes and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to be wild. Yeah, no, daddy, it is. Like when the make daddy looked fifteen years younger. Yeah, when the makeup lady came on, I was just like, "What?" And I thought to myself, "Women go through this every day." Yeah. What mm. the frick? Our our, uh, our lot in life is pretty easy. Like, yeah, I have to just not stink, and I'm pretty. And much even even if we do, it's okay because it's like it's expected. Yeah. You know, like He's just I'm, a dirty boy. Well, that's why I said to my girlfriend, "I'm like, it's expensive to be a woman." For real. Yeah. Like, I can live pretty minimally as a dude. Like, when I shower sometimes, I don't use soap. Yeah. It's like more of a rinse off. <laughs> Man, it's cool. And I could do that with a hose. I could do that with a hose outside. Like, I don't even really need to get into a tub. You know, and I'm pretty good with that. Unless you get that shower with, like, the 90 head spraying you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, man, with the, with the rainfall. Oh, my gosh. 
Or you just well, sit there. If people wanted to keep updates on what's yeah. going on with the show it and is. also with the restaurants and all that, where would you want them to follow you? Yeah, so, uh, you know, Instagram, obviously, is kind of like our big thing. At uh, Yevang70 is my own personal one. At uh, Union Monk Kitchen, you know, which we are located at Gray's. We have a little shop inside of Gray's Food Hall there, like a block away, or like right by Modest, a block away from the Twin Stadium there in North Loop. And then at V9MN, which we're starting our residency, so like tickets are all open, so you're ready, you know, you can go in there. If you DM any of those, you know, if you have any questions, DM them. We are communication specialist, Lauren, we'll get back to you. She's really, really good. Um, I don't know, people still use Facebook. Same, All the same tag all the way across. Um, and then, I don't know, for those who use Emails, which say info at Union Monk Kitchen or info at vnimn.com. You know. And if you're listening to this episode, uh, if it's recently come out, do not sleep on checking out June 15th, June Netflix. 15th. Yeah. Uh, is it just Iron Chef America? No, it's called Iron Chef, the legend of something. The legend, legend continues or something like the like legend that? of something yeah it's pretty dramatic yeah <laughs> super well, dramatic they'll have but it's then, netflix so that just means yeah. that if it's after june 15 2022 it's there it's there watch yeah, it there, yeah. go check it out and then yeah so and me you know we talked about sean we talked about jorge so this coming weekend we're going down to chicago for the beard you know james yes. beard it's the finalist so Fuck it's yeah. i'm i'm so like guys I, I i text them both and i said you know it's an honor it's an honor to be on the same stage as those two, because they, I feel that they put their time, their juggernauts around here, and I feel like the little brother's like, guys, can't come play with guys. So you know, I feel like that. So Dude, yeah, you deserve it. Yeah, to uh, take a to to steal a, a saying from pro wrestling crowds, you deserve yeah. it. <laughs> and just because you're going to be better doesn't mean you're not great already. Yeah, you know, if you feel like, well, hang on, guys, in fucking two three years, I'm going to deserve it even more. Well, hell, if you don't win, then uh, you know, then you have that to achieve toward because. You're going to do big things with Unai going forward, and mm-hmm. uh, you're already doing great things. So, and, and also, as somebody who struggles with praise, like it's really well-intentioned. Like The thing that makes, I think, all three of us at the table the happiest is serving other people and bringing mm-hmm. that joy out there. You're being recognized for that. Mm-hmm. And as hard as that is to take, like I hope it resonates with you the, the, how beautiful that is. It's a recognition of the joy that you're giving other people and the conduit that you are. Appreciate so that. From, from the outset, I think we both agree. Like, there is no more deserving human. Oh, appreciate so. that, man. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, even the I'm looking at the schedule. I'm looking at everything that's going on. I was like, I feel like a little kid. I'm like, where? What am I supposed to do? Like, I was like, check. I, sh- I didn't get my permission slip signed, guys. I don't. I don't think I should like be going down there. But it's cool. My girlfriend, she's really sweet. Like, she picked out a suit, so I have to like wear a suit because I terribly wanted to wear t-shirts and like maybe jeans. And she's like, you're not wearing that. No. So she she picked, she like picked not out the suit. The beard. Yeah, I know. So she she got the suit. Uh, we picked out the suit, and like it came in today, and we were putting it on. She goes, you know, you look really good in that. And I'm like, oh, it's like uncomfortable. <laughs> she was stupid. Oh, right. Yeah, and then she like picked out like a matching dress too. So I'm like, okay, of course you're gonna nice. dress. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm I'm like kind of like a grumpy like oh, stupid suit, you know. And I like I asked her, I'm like, can I untuck my shirt? She's like, absolutely not. And I'm like, why? You know. So I'm like this little kid who's like, this is stupid. You know. <laughs> your sleeves. Yeah. I. That's how I feel. Like even yeah. though I was trying it on today, I'm like, it's, I'm sweating. It socks, you know, but uh, yeah, I'm like, I don't know. So it was funny because, like, right when I got the finalists, literally, le- legitimately, most of the guys on our mm. team was like, 
hey, you know it's a black tie thing. That's like the first thing uh, they said to me. They're like, yeah. you know it's a black tie thing, right? Yeah. And I'm like, so you know, <laughs> I'm like, I was going to wear a tuxedo shirt and like a, like a tuxedo jacket over yes. a tuxedo shirt. I totally was going to do that and be like, look, we've seen the Oscars. We've seen the Met Gala, you know, like people like weird, like they wear weird stuff all the time. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's art. Like, why can't I do that? You know? Yeah. They're like, yeah. They're like, not for your first one. I'm like, not this time. Yeah, yeah I know. So we, you know, we get the whole team going down there. Marshall, Mike, Tony, who's one of our sous chefs is coming down too. So it's nice. really cool. Nice, nice, nice. You know, so we're really, really excited. And so, like, for example, yeah. it's like we're all we all leave for that weekend. So I'm like, OK, who do we have left back here? And I'm like, I'm going to text. I'm like, how's everything, guys? How are you guys doing? <laughs> so we were talking through that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Congratulations on everything yeah. you've accomplished yeah, so far. Appreciate you have much it. more to accomplish. So, you know, yeah. congratulations, I think, are uh, maybe premature because you're going to you're going to do so many great things in, in no. the coming years. I, and I can't wait to see all of it. I appreciate you guys having me on here. Dude. Absolutely. I mean, I, I see the, us. I see, like, I've listened and I've seen the guests you guys have. Like, you guys had Eastman, like, a couple <laughs> weeks ago. And I'm like, Psh, the most, like, Minneapolis, tw- Twin Cities' most interesting man. You know, it's like, the Iceman cometh, you know? The Iceman uh, returneth. Yeah. The Iceman returneth. He's like the only man who could sell ice in Minnesota, yes. you know? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's so fitting for him. It's yeah, so it's fitting. Yeah, I see Minnesota. Yeah, I see, I see that guest you guys have, and I'm like, oh, man, like, these are, like, really cool people. That's, and so, yeah. you are, we're too. We're having fun, baby. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah, we're having a blast, and we're, yeah, we're, privilege to have you amongst the the ranks of our guests and yeah, appreciate it so yeah, much um, we wish you the best of luck going forward and uh, we wish you the best out there as our listeners thank you so much for everything thanks for making it through uh, mm. our, our our wonderfully yeah, verbose and long guys. episodes are you kidding me this is what we love this is, this what, is what makes us do. the happiest it's yeah. free form yeah yeah free form so like joe rogan <laughs> just like the joe rogan pal. experience we didn't even talk about elk yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Shit. Well, we'll do that next time. Yes. Elk, elk and saunas will be next time. Yeah. Damn right. Okay. All right, y'all. Well, take care of yourselves, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Peace.